I love Fletcher's butt. We're here to do the show. Welcome to episode number 162 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, May 21st, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where our mayor may be racist, but uh, no, wait, our, our mayor is racist. And from America's left coast, where the pandemic may be ending, but the constitutional violations will be continuing indefinitely. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Well, you know, a lot of people just feel more comfortable continuing to wear their masks because you never know oh yeah yeah i went uh i went to downtown seattle on on tuesday with why would you do that why would you go to downtown seattle it it was under protest it was against my will uh it turns out all the all the good hospitals are there oh uh yeah there there was a medical thing well the funny thing is she she was having a a procedure and i'm not gonna go too much farther than that but uh in the past, when we've had this done, um, they have expected me to come in and they're like, you, you, you know, you can go, uh, to the, the coffee shop down the hallway, but we want you to stay in this lobby the entire two hours so that, ju- you know, when we come out, et cetera, et cetera. So I was, you know, in the past when I've gone in, they wanted me as the driver and uh, the responsible adult. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> to- <laughs> wow. I, what they don't know won't hurt me. Okay. Um, yeah, they wanted me to stay like right there in the line. Now this time it was like you can't enter the building. <laughs> well, wait, so, wait. So the the things are getting more stringent all of a sudden. Well, I don't know about more. The last we we have this done every couple of years, so I don't think that there was lockdown the last time we did this. Okay, it, it was yeah. things things were quote unquote normal. Uh, the the funny thing, and this by the way, so what they said was uh well we're going to need you to wait in the parking garage or on the city streets so i you know first of all i started out by going okay i've got about 2 hours and i started walking the seattle city streets which by the way that is a butt puckering experience seattle is not a happy place anymore um but i did do some science along the way but the thing is i came back and Decided, okay, I'm there. I know they're going to be done pretty soon. I'll just wait in the car. What I forgot about is parking garage underground. They don't install cell phone repeaters in there. So apparently I'm not allowed to go in the building. And so instead she came out of the procedure and is done and texts me and it doesn't get to me because I'm underground and they won't. She's like, she knew this and she's like, well, let me just go down. She, he's, you know, down the elevator. Oh, I'm sorry. We can't let you go until you have uh, your escort because you might be woozy from the sedation. And she, they forced her to wait for 20 minutes until a cell phone signal randomly got through. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're done. Yeah, that's so not a good system. Their, their system is totally screwed up. It, okay, let me wait. In, your lobby is is open air with 25 foot high ceilings and your couches are all six feet apart anyway. 
just let me sit there. But no, that I mean, it wasn't even that I didn't even get the option to put on a face diaper and sit there, which I, I probably wouldn't have done. But um, they just wouldn't even let me in the building because I wasn't the patient. Anyway, the science that I did on the streets of Seattle was I was, uh, you know, passing time downtown and uh, decided to uh, you know, walk the length of one block and count. How many people I saw with face diapers versus not. Now, I'll preface this by saying that Washington has never had an outdoor mask mandate. Um, they have mandates for social distancing, mandates for all kinds of things, but they have never actually required that you wear masks outdoors. Um, so in one block, I counted 74 people who were masked and 10 who were not on foot. That's 88% of them wearing diapers outside when nobody has ever been required to. Um, and then I was watching drivers and in the same block, I saw um, 41 drivers go by of which 22 had masks for 54%. So still more than half. But were they were alone in their car? Alone in their car <laughs> with a face diaper on in downtown Seattle. This place sucks. Well, what it shows is a complete ignorance of how viruses transmit that is without a doubt one thing that by this point in whatever this is whether it's actually a pandemic whether it rose to that level or not but it's been the non-stop story for over a year and a half and people still don't understand how a virus spreads this if you just forget about everything else this shows you just how ignorant the overall population is about a vast majority of things because outdoor transmission has already been proven to be what like under one percent they're guessing now at this point and it is all still guessing but and by the way this was not a classic flu season day it was sunny outside and 68 degrees which is really warm for here Uh, it, it this was not flu weather this was not like oh stay outside you're going to get a sniffle no this was stay outside and you might accidentally get some sunshine and fresh air now i believe and you can tell me if you think i'm wrong here but even no matter where this is going on but especially in the very wacko liberal parts of the world like seattle these people i don't think they're doing this to virtue signal i believe they believe it's helping them and keeping them safe which it's it's scary I would bet it's a mixed bag. Uh, yeah, I don't personally hang out with a lot of people who virtue signal for virtue signaling stake because I have the the unhealthy tendency, un- unhealthy for relationships, the tendency to tell people what I think of them. And uh, it, it, the, the result is that a, a lot of people who would do shit like uh, I'm going to wear a mask just to show that I'm not Republican. I am I'm probably not going to be hanging out with. But most of the people that I do talk to who wear masks religiously in their job or whatever is because, well, uh, because I'll, I'll get chewed out if I don't. And, and that's, I mean, that's the motivation level that we have. We, I, I, I'm not, you said that society has uh, an incredible amount of ignorance and, and I agree that that's a problem, but ignorance can theoretically be fixed. And I don't blame people for not having information. The default for everybody everybody's relationship with information is they don't ha- they don't start with it there, there's very little information that we we start with and have inherently like you know i like boobs that that's something i didn't need to be taught <laughs> but there's a lot of things that i had to learn about so 
I don't blame people for not having information, for being ignorant. What I do blame people for, and I think is a real problem with society, is the unwillingness to accept new information when you're getting it. And more importantly, the incredibly bad choices of who we're getting information from. We have a, 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 a quote unquote science class in, in this country who have repeatedly and often lied to us about many, many things. And yet uh, people out there are still, you know, every time Dr. Fauci says put on your life vest, then people are like, well, okay, I I know that I'm nowhere near water, but sure. It, It, nobody's thinking for themselves. That is something that I don't think can be taught. Oh, I agree. And I don't believe, I mean, I think Fauci is, uh, pretty much a dirt bag, but I don't believe he's been lying through this whole thing about everything. Then, uh, then you're not paying attention. No, I mean, I'm, he's he, been he, caught lying multiple oh, times. Oh, right. But I'm, I'm saying at, there are times that I think he believes he was telling the truth because originally he started out with that. Remember, well, no, you don't need to be wearing a mask because it's not going to do anything to help you. When this started and he was talking about this being a virus, though, well, he started lying then. But that was absolutely correct. And the question is, with a lot of these doctors and whoever they're going to for the science, nobody in that position, whether it's Fauci or whoever, you know, they take Fauci out of that position and they throw some other jamoke in there when they're put in front of the microphone and they're asked a question. Almost none of these guys are going to go or women are going to go. I don't know. They so all what make it up. Yeah. What what you're saying is that the lies didn't really ramp up until he got that first check from Pfizer. Probably. Yeah. You know, and that there there is a big problem when the people that are in charge of steering the policy of a country like the United States. Fauci had the ear of Trump, whether Fauci was good or not. Dr. Burks had the ear of Trump. Now, obviously, Fauci has the ear of Biden. <laughs> that sounded very that sounded very medieval like that, he kind of has very leprous <laughs> like he put it in a box and cut <laughs> yeah. it off um but you uh, know, maybe he did when fauci is know. making money dependent upon which of the vaccines is the winner you know put that in air quotes but that is a worrisome thing that when your top scientists have skin in the game where certain treatments or certain things are going to make them more money than others. You know, the objectivity of that particular scientist then needs to be called into order. I don't know why there isn't some kind of mandate rule, whatever, that if you're going to be that person that is the science czar or whatever it is, you shouldn't be allowed to have any investments in any of the companies that are dealing with medical stuff. But that's just me being, you know, logical, I think. Well, you just don't like corruption is all i know there's always going to be some but get used to it (laughs) yeah yeah but knowing where it is i guess is the important part and understanding there's a lot of people who are finally i think figuring out that a lot of these guys aren't to be 100 percent trusted i have a bunch of articles today about the downfall of bill gates which i think is really really interesting well, yeah i mean i and i think we should visit those just from a pure schadenfreude perspective yeah and as i pointed out in the uh my opener Lori lightfoot now the intriguing thing about all this is i had the exact same the, the, thought. the objectively racist mayor yes who is just and, and that's not invective <laughs> that is 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 using the definition 
of, of racism and saying this person is it when you don't want to talk to white reporters and you tell people that you're just going to you know call on the black reporters you know i have the same thought because we've been well but you were only going to call on white reporters too no Lori lightfoot wasn't going to call on white you said you had the same thought no i had the same thought uh when i was thinking about why this is going on that uh bill o'reilly talked about and this comes from listening to people like o'reilly Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak over at No Agenda, Glenn Beck, the concept that when anything happens, and this became a huge story, the Lori Lightfoot thing, saying she wants to just talk to reporters of color, the concept that you want to be looking for is, okay, that's what the one hand is doing. What are they trying to hide? What is the other hand doing? Why are they intentionally doing something? Because I don't think Lori Lightfoot's a complete moron. Maybe she is, and that's possible. But the first thought is, okay, she's intentionally creating drama. She's intentionally creating news. People are going to be talking about her. What is the other hand doing at the same time? And that's pretty much the breakdown that Bill O'Reilly gave, which was Chicago is in shambles. We talk about the violence and murder rate here. Uh, weekly when we do grumpy old Ben's things are completely falling apart. And what, what is everybody in the media talking about? They're talking about this idiotic thing that Lori Lightfoot said she will only talk to black reporters. And they're not talking about the fact that the city is burning because it's idiotic and she's standing behind it and she's a public figure. And therefore the story pretty much writes itself. And if there's one thing that we have learned Beyond the virtue signaling, it's that journalists are really lazy people. Yeah. And they are completely ideologues now. There are very few journalists that are able to do their job. I mean, you can immediately take anybody that works for a major corporation. Anybody that's paycheck is being cut by a company that is either that company or owned by a Disney or a Comcast or any of these big corporations that run a vast majority of the media, you know, they're not able to just come out and say anything they want. You know, the story has to fit the narrative because when they did a breakdown and we covered this all through Donald Trump's presidency, it was something like 93% of the stories about Donald Trump on the mainstream media were negative. (laughs) It's like, okay, even if he was a horrible president, And even if he was a really bad guy, that's way too high of a percent. He did some things, as we talked about, that got totally blown apart, like reducing the bar for people to get government jobs, not needing. Right. You're you're, you're screwing up journalism by trying to introduce nuance. The only message that we need people to know is orange man bad. Well, nuance is dead, which is what people need to be aware of, which is why I think podcasting, among other types of uh Uh, alternative media has become so popular because there is a chance for people to get nuanced. It's also because of the fact that if you watch CNN or Fox News, I don't care any of the major networks, if you watch that for your news 24 hours a day, no matter which uh, ideology that the network follows, you're going to get the same story repeated like every 30 minutes or every hour. That's all it is, is a repeat over and over and over again because people come in and out. It's not like, oh, the news is on 24 hours, 
So they're going to spend five hours breaking down a topic. No, that's still not how it works, which is where podcasts do work. We both said multiple times on this show that 24 hour news cycle is not healthy. No, not 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 only is is the 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 level of of what's notable that you you have to set in order to have enough content to fill 24 seven is it makes brings it makes mountains out of a whole lot of molehills. But more importantly, uh, being fed this stuff 24 seven instead of taking an opportunity to shut it off, walk away and go live your life is really destroying a lot of psyche. Well, and the news like doesn't Facebook update on your phone. Yeah. The news doesn't update that much. You know, the olden days where you got a newspaper a day, that was enough. I mean, you don't really need yeah. the news updating or, every 20 minutes or, or a three hour podcast twice a week. Right. That's a pretty good amount. That's enough. It'll cover what needs to, what needs to get into your ear hole. And you don't need to keep up. I mean, it will drive you crazy. And there's certain people that have that kind of attention deficit disorder or, uh, you know, something like that to where you just can't help. But, oh, I'm going to turn on and see what's new. And it's the same type of people that continually are sitting there with their, uh, you know, crypto yeah. app over the last few weeks going, oh, what? Oh, refresh. What do I got now? Ooh, refresh, yeah. refresh, same, same refresh. Kind of people who, who compulsively refresh their, they, they post something on Facebook and then compulsively refresh the page for 10 minutes to see if they get any likes. Ooh, who liked? Who commented? Who smashed yeah. that like button or who subscribed? Yes. Yes. Who liked and subscribed on my YouTube video? Now, now, what do you mean? What do you mean? I only have four views. It's been 12 minutes already. <laughs> no, for a lot of people, it's like it's been 12 seconds. What do you mean? I've only got four views. Yeah. Instant gratification, well, man. Depends on what you say. I suppose the YouTube algo might be just hiding it. <laughs> well, well, that is also possible, but not everything in the news is is totally worthless. There was yeah, a, but those are the most interesting parts. Yeah, well, there was a study, and this is an article from the U.S. Sun. Somebody did a study here in, uh, I think it was Australia. Let's see. This I thought was very interesting. Um, Dr. Stephen White, a behavioral scientist in Queensland University in Australia, did a study. And what they have confirmed is that women are turned on by charm and cash, and men go on looks. And I love the article, which okay. says how, how much was spent on this study? It doesn't say, but I like the article says scientists confirm in discovery, which surprises no one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all knew this. Yeah. Uh, a study found fellas value sexy bodies and attractive, attractive faces more than women do. It says it's great news for millionaire Bill Gates, but you know, it's not because he's being canceled. We'll be talking about that, but it says women like high income intelligence and emotional connection and us guys are pretty much going whoo she's hot that's that's kind of yeah. the uh that's kind of the difference well i uh i mean one out of three ain't bad right you know but i guess it's good for us i mean you don't have to keep up the looks. That, that yeah that high income that's how you keep your wife <laughs> you got the well not bill gates but see the, <laughs> the high see there's a there's a butter zone where it's just high enough income where she's happy to keep you around now if you make too much money she's happy to take half your stuff and leave yeah so. <laughs> well i mean it's, it's some i don't know i i don't know what it is because i've never been that wealthy but but it seems to be maybe it's wealth plus fame and i sure as hell don't want any fame but it seems to be that it, it at some point when when your house gets large enough that you don't see each other during the normal day 
um, marriages seem to go apart a little bit. There, there's definitely a sweet spot of, of if you have too much money, uh, I don't, yeah. But you'd like to try. I, I'm I mean, probably never. I, I, I mean, yes, I, I feel like I really need to do some science on this. But somebody's going to have to send us each a couple million bucks to start. And uh, do you think that's enough? Probably not. It all depends what you're doing with it, though. I mean, are you are you putting it into a um, an investment that is a company or something that will actually grow yeah, or a couple th- million bucks? A couple million bucks might be enough to buy a Bitcoin. You're right. You might be. Able, well, then it could also go back down to zero. But uh, that's the gambling aspect of it. But the the amount of stories on Bill Gates over the last week or so has really been ramping up. So this is kind of interesting. This, because this feels like it, it follows right on from your 24 hour news thing where they have to keep making up new things because there's nothing to report. Well, right. And his divorce was a great reason to kick a lot of this stuff off. And there's a lot of negative press coming out saying that Bill Gates. Now, there's uh, multiple reports, at least six women, it says on a Breitbart article here, told the New York Times that Gates was known for making, quote, graceless approaches towards women, both inside and outside the office. So not only the the guy has Asperger's, has he ever done anything with grace? I don't know. But not only is he a dirtbag. He's not good at being a dirtbag. He's doing it gracelessly. Like, why is that even a part of the story? uh, Okay. Well, I mean, okay. First of all, these women, did they get ID checked? Are they the same ones who complained about Cuomo? (laughs) I I feel like, I feel like the, the, the left, whenever they need to cancel somebody have just got a stable of people that they can pull out whenever they want. I don't know if they're actresses or, or people who actually do enjoy getting hit on by dirt bags, but just like, I, it feels like whenever you need to cancel somebody, you can just go to the well and pull out of the woodwork a, a, a group of people like, oh, they hit on me. Well, of course. I mean, what, what if I told you that Bill Gates hit on me while I was at Microsoft? I would believe you. I never met Bill Gates. You have to believe all women. It depends. <laughs> uh, what do you I don't I don't know what you're uh, what you're saying you are this week. It could change. Sir Bemrose. Oh, well, is that female or male? I, I identify as as Ryan Bemrose. I thought it was I give, I give no information beyond that. I give zero information. Um, but the stories that are coming out, it's it paints a picture of Bill Gates as a guy that is completely without any game in the whole sexual arena, which, as you said, he has Asperger's. And, and also, did does the word Microsoft mean nothing to anybody? Bill Gates has never had game. He had to date and marry his program manager. But now he's got a lot of money. And we just talked about that's one of the reasons I added that study in that article. Women like guys that are smart and guys with money. So Bill Gates, I mean, he should be right up there at the top of the list. And I'm sure there is no no shortage of women that would be happy to date him. But it seems like. You know, one, they're coming out with this stuff like, well, he was doing this while he was married. It's like, okay, yes. And that's bad. I'll give you that. But they're more just like kind of going about the way he did it. One of the examples was he asked out a Microsoft employee, according to this article on Breitbart, in 2006, after a presentation she gave at the company. After the presentation, Gates immediately left the meeting and emailed her to ask her out for dinner, according to two sources. 
familiar with the incident. Of course, you know, again, anonymous sources, which you don't know if any of this is true or not. That that doesn't sound right, because Micros have had a, a very inclusive corporate culture. We were actually given mandatory training every single year on how to not be sexist pigs. <laughs> it didn't take for you, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's why they probably do it yearly. I haven't had it for a few years. According to these sources, and again, you know, believe what you may, Gates wrote to that female employee, adding, quote, if this makes you uncomfortable, pretend that it never happened. <laughs> just a great way to yeah. ask somebody out. Hi, would well, you like what? to go out with me? If not, no, just pretend re- re- I never re- asked. Well, I, I mean, it's literally speaking, it's it's actually what he wanted, which, again, the, the Asperger's thing, he, he's not trying to be coy or anything. That is literally what he wants. He's like, uh, I don't know if you're receptive or not, because I'm not capable of, of figuring that out on my own. So uh, I'm just going to ask if you're receptive. And if you're not, then let's try not to, you know, please don't put this into your pocket for 25 years and then cancel me later. <laughs> you're right. That's what's happening now. Uh, and one of the other examples was at a party. It says a woman told the New York Times that while standing with her at a cocktail party, Gates lowered his voice and said, I want to see you. Will you have dinner with me? I- Okay, that was you just set chills down my spine because the idea and un, un, unlike phone boy, I have the ability to imagine things and um, imagining Bill Gates saying that in your voice, just it, it was a little creepy. I, I'm i not really I, I, I understand and I absolutely like the, the crucifixion of Bill Gates and I like that that it continues and I hope that the guy gets knocked down about 25 pegs, but they what you're describing sounds like innocent flirting, the kind of thing that humans have been doing with each other for millennia yes. and has generally been OK. In fact, one of the weird side effects of it is that it continues the human race. But that it's is a only, bad side effect. It's only recently. Well, if you ask a eugenicist like Gates, maybe it's a bad side effect. It's only been recently that somehow innocent flirting is now a, a terrible, terrible thing. You know, hey, I'm I'm kind of attracted to you. It is now sexual harassment when it used to be uh, the the start. To, uh, I, I mean, if if I say that to a woman, well, first of all, I'm going to get hit, and not by the person I said it to, <laughs> probably by my wife who's standing behind me. Well, wait, so you don't do it when your wife is standing behind you? That's where I keep screwing yeah. up. <laughs> but but it, I mean, that's not sexual harassment. What that is is it's it's called a query. It's called are you interested or not? And if you if you return the gesture, I'm going to guess you're interested. And if you walk away or throw a drink in my face, I guess you're not interested. These are perfectly normal things. I mean, assuming you have a drink in your hand. I, I, it, uh, when was it that this suddenly turned into some kind of harassment? Would this be about the time that all crimes became hate crimes? What, yes. what is the, the the redefinition of language here is disgusting. It's when the Me Too thing started and see a good wife would ask the attractive female out for you that would be the proper thing to do but this has been pointed out and it was also pointed out in the article from somebody that worked at microsoft which was they didn't feel like bill gates what he was doing his behavior was predatory because nobody ever got fired this was not like go out with me or your job's done I mean, it really did sound like he had the game of a 12 year old, which was he asked the girl out. And then if she didn't want to, he's like, 
okay, we'll just forget it ever happened. And obviously he went on like it never happened. It sounds like an autistic kid flirting. Yeah. I I mean, he's, he's, he's crap at it. He's got no game, like you said, but this doesn't sound malicious. And nobody wants to bring that part up, I guess, because he's rich and famous. Nobody wants to say, you know, he does have a bit of a condition. And also, damn you for making me defend Bill Gates. (laughs) Hey, see, just like Fauci, they're not wrong 100% of the time. I mean, they could still be evil bastards. But the problem for Gates is that he had conversations with Jeffrey Epstein. And that, to me, is also one of the interesting parts of the story that even if you if you ever talked to Jeffrey Epstein, if you ever had a conversation, if you were ever in the same room with them, yeah, all if you a received sudden, a spam email from him. Yeah. All of a sudden now you're going to be canceled. Well, unless you're Bill Clinton, for some reason, nobody's ever come for Bill Clinton, even though that's because Bill had game. <laughs> yeah, that is true. OK, that is the difference between Bill Gates and Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was like. Also, at least back in the day, uh, Clinton definitely fell under the Schlesinger rule. Where if it's not creepy, if you're hot, then it's just flirting. Yeah. And I guess we're at power. I mean, there is no more powerful man. Yes. Than the president of the United States, which is why Hillary wanted that chair more than anything else, I think. But we again, that study proved power and money. And Bill Clinton did have whether you liked his politics or not. I mean, Slick Willie was a uh, maybe a little schmarmy, but he was a ladies man. He knew how to talk. He knew how to play that game. Bill Gates, I mean, it's kind of like no idea what the rules are. No idea what subtlety is. No idea what nuance is. Although that's the media today. So, okay, well, we need to stop this. You're making me feel sorry for Bill Gates. (laughs) Poor, poor Bill. I mean, don't forget, he's still got like a hundred billion dollars or something. Okay, not that sorry. So he's okay. He'll be fine. But uh, yeah, he he can afford to lose half of it and he might only have, you know, three or four houses he doesn't have time to visit in a year. But it's going to be interesting to watch exactly what happens to him, because the concept of the left eating itself, Bill Gates has been a darling of the progressive left for a long time. And as if, you know, a switch has been flipped, all of a sudden he's going to be persona non grata. And how that's going to trickle down to anything else, I don't know. But it's going to be fun to watch. I think, anyway. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, it'll be entertaining when something happens. But it's not going to be entertaining when the 24-hour news cycle just keeps repeating everything over and over again. Like, okay, the guy's a scumbag. Yeah. The guy hang out with Epstein. Yeah. Uh, The guy's getting divorced. Yeah. What else do you know? What what makes this continue to be news? No, we repeat the same thing over and over again every 20 minutes for like a year until the story's old. Oh, okay. Then uh, is is that what we're doing here on this show, too? No, we actually change topics every now and then, although people oh. don't like when we talk about crypto. They do not like I, when we talk I, about Yeah, crypto. crypto is about to become a banned topic on this one because the, the number of shrill voices that i hear every time that we bring it up is starting to be i yeah i mean i think we probably have to it may become a banned topic everywhere because the top three headlines on drudge at least right before the show were all about how the u.s government is going after crypto so that is going to be a story we're going to be covering but 
Sadly, that makes it a story. Yes. It, so, yeah, it has to. I mean, when it's the top story at a you know, I, place like Drudge. I, I wasn't sure if you were going to bring up yet another. Hey, look, Bitcoin is crashing. Hey, look, Bitcoin is surging because we report on that every freaking week. And I was just going to cut you off. But if it's actually going to get banned, maybe that's a thing. Yes. Or regulated, which I don't know. Yeah. Which is almost <laughs> the same thing. Right. That, that's kind of re- the re- concept, which is better and which is worse. If you are if you're well, a regulated Bitcoiner. means. Regulated means they're not going to just shut it down, but they're going to transform it into something that doesn't isn't recognizable to all the people who enjoyed the the openness. And one of the things they did just change the law on in the United States was like any cash transaction. I mean, you're aware of the fact that if you go into your bank and you take out and it might be I thought it was six thousand at one point. If you take out or put in over six thousand in cash. That leads to a ding, ding, ding. Got to tell the federal government about it. They just added a similar rule to crypto at the $10,000 line. So any crypto sale or purchase of over $10,000 at a single go now has to be reported to the federal government. Okay, I'm I'm just thinking that, that the way that the Biden administration has been pushing inflation like crazy, I think within a year, that's only going to be a handful of Satoshis. Right, it may be. I like the Satoshi concept, but we need more. We need billions of Satoshis. I mean, we well, didn't have a lot to begin with, and then Bitcoin crashed, and now they're worth even less, but we'll be well, following but, it. But I mean, you know. Uh, on the one hand, Bitcoin is gaining value, but on the other hand, the dollar is is starting to enter its nosedive, and uh, w- we are going to see, you know, we're going to see Bitcoin hit a million uh, if if Biden has anything to do it before he gets out of office, and and it's not because Bitcoin is worth that much because uh, you know a loaf of bread is going to be four hundred dollars. So welcome to the Weimar Republic, kids. Oh, my God. Fucking Venezuela all over again. Yeah. And do, do, do the kids even know what the Weimar Republic is now? I mean, do they no. even know? I mean, no, they don't. This is, this is where history will repeat itself. But you know what? Google Docs, they are making major change in the world. They are doing things that only a company like Google can do. They are adding a new feature to their Google Docs program or app, whatever you want to call it. That will now prompt users to go and write in gender neutral language in an attempt to avoid offending anyone in the workplace. Is this their word processor that's doing this? Yes. So Google Docs is basically their in the cloud word processor that you can go in and, uh, you know, write your letters or whatever you're doing, your proposals, if you're writing stuff for a business. And it says soon if you type in chairman, Google Docs will leap and tell you. You should use chairperson. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first of all, before we go too far into this story, let's make sure that our our check from LibreOffice has cleared. They're an open source, free software. I don't know how much money they have in their marketing budget. Well, then why are we doing a native ad for them? Because just talking about how <laughs> shitty Google Docs is, is going to push people toward it, I hope. It, it Well, they should. And you have to understand. And I thought it was very strange. And I posted about this over on No Agenda Social when I saw this. I still have a Gmail account. I have relegated it to just the kind of thing for like junk mail and that, that it's not uh, sensitive information. That's why I have my own Darren at Random Thoughts and Darren at Grumpy Old Benz and others where I control all of that now. But at the top of Gmail, there was a big thing that 
It stayed on. So even if you closed the Gmail window and came back, it was there. You had to dismiss it for it to disappear. There was a new little box that said, Google will never use any of the things in your email for advertising purposes. Learn more. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, I posted that in DC. Girls, like, I got the same thing. It's like, is this something new? Because I was always under the impression that even though they claimed it was all anonymized and they didn't have any personal information about you, we know for a while anyway, if somebody sent you an email about jet skis, you are going to start seeing jet ski ads in your Google ads. And now they're claiming that's not true. And I couldn't figure out, didn't see anywhere, couldn't find any stories that would lead me to believe this was a change in policy. What, what was the message again? That nothing in they're not using anything in your email to uh, serve you ads or to choose ads. Okay, the, the language I don't have exactly, but that was the gist. Well, of I'm, it. I'm feeling like the exact language is going to be important because there's going to be some weasel word in there or something that because because of course they're searching through your uh, if nothing else they're handing it to their AI in order to train on the the machine learning on something and. You know, if they say, you know, we're not going to use it for targeted ads, well, maybe they're giving it to untargeted ads or something. I, I don't know the details, but I just feel like something in that wording is like, oh, but they're leaving themselves wide open right here. The Google Docs, though, suggest re- replacing phrases like man hours with the more inclusive term of person hours. Have you ever heard anybody use the term person hours? No. Unfortunately, I have in a meeting. Oh, you know, oh, my God. It even, according to this article and Breitbart, it even suggests changes to terms like it cripples the service to it slows down the service. So you can't even say cripples. Oh, my God. This language stuff has got to stop. What is somebody going to stand up to this stuff? This is why whenever I go create a new repo on GitHub, the first thing that I do is change the name of the main branch, which is the default, back to master, because that is what the branch was supposed to be called. Nice. Uh, This is nuts. This is nuts. This is not something that is going to end well. This is how, and I know everybody always screams when you bring up Nazis and Hitler, but this is how they control the public. Changing the language and this kind of stuff. Oh, my God. Learn history, people. Please make sure your kids learn history. The Nazis don't have a lock on on manipulating people through the information they have access to. Uh, I I feel like, you know, okay, just a side note about the Nazis, uh, about the, the German regime. One of the reasons why we associate them with the worst of the information warfare is that they weren't as good at it as, say, China is today, because stories got out about the things that they do, the the type of stuff that the most effective regimes do to their citizens never gets out because that's part of the information control. It, I don't Anyway. Yeah. Um, I had, wrong. I had uh, another, another Google thing that they'd added. Um, this one is, uh, is not quite as nefarious, but they added a secret dogs folder. A, did you say dogs? Yeah. Of <laughs> uh, 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 their, the Google photos app. Um, they have, uh, a new folder for secret dogs. Uh, this came across no agenda social from uh, at ITM 
and uh, was forwarded to us by Abel Kirby saying, this looks like a grumpy old Ben story. And uh, after their tirade on the last uh, rare encounter about people stealing their stories, I felt like I was, in fact, compelled to bring this up. Yeah, but I'd like to point out that the story they were complaining about was about the Cheeto guy, which I originally did. And yes. I beat him to it earlier that day. So they were stealing my story. Well, but they were complaining about it being stolen the previous day, which means apparently you were beat to it also. Yeah, I was beaten it's, by Sir Spencer. I'd rather yeah. be beaten by Dame DeLorean, but, you know, you get what you I, get. You know, they can probably take turns. <laughs> so this is, particular yeah. one, uh, uh, the Photos app that, um, has added a feature. Uh, and, and go ahead and, and jump in as soon as you figure out what this feature is actually for. Um, they have a folder in the photos app that you can add. The folder is locked behind a pin or a biometric control. Uh, images in this folder do not show up in your photo roll. And, uh, the Google executive, Jen Fitzpatrick, who announced it said, this feature would have been helpful for me last year when we surprised our kids with a new puppy and we needed to hide the photos before we brought Splash home. Here's an idea. Uh, Don't take the, photos! All of the all of the articles um, talk about uh, Google allowing you to hide, quote, sensitive photos. But let's go ahead and call it what it is. It's your spank bank. It's your porn folder. <laughs> it's, it's your dick pics. This is where you store your nudes. This is where you store... No. The shit that you do not want the border patrol to be coming through <laughs> when you try to cross the border. Well, yeah, I didn't think about the border patrol, but here's an idea. Don't take those kind of pictures. And if they're on your phone, they're going to the cloud, which means somebody else can get them anyway. This is but, another case of like very uh, false sense of security. You know, the, the article did not call out whether or not this particular folder is going to be synced to the cloud. Yeah, I, I, I have to think that maybe they don't, but I, I don't know. Um, but it, it did. Okay. So the, uh, the medium article that, uh, that I actually read that was sent to us was my favorite. I did, uh, as always, I dug around other, other stories, but, um, they all, you know, tried to dance around the fact that this is porn. The medium article said was, was calling out all of the other news agencies for, why don't you just say this is the folder where you store your nudes that you're only sending to your boyfriend? Well, how about you just say a private folder? Why does it have to have any other terminology beyond private? Well, I, I don't know what you do with your privates, but <laughs> it's very private. Yes, it is. And, and, and actually, let's keep it that way. Next topic. You know, hence the term private. Uh, Twitter has labeled its own image cropping algorithm as racist. So, I mean, I'll give it, I'll give it to them. Okay, for, uh, so you mean you again with the the they're not lying 100 percent of the time. Right now, this is something that has been talked about on the No Agenda program is when it comes to posting photographs on Twitter, what you can post is very different than what shows up when people are scrolling down the timeline, because you know what would happen if they left the images in the ratio that they were uploaded assholes would have really, 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 really long ones to fuck with the system. So what Twitter does is they cut that down. No matter what you upload, they cut it down. So you can kind of just see a window of the photo. You don't see the whole thing. They crop it, and you can't see the whole thing. So it fits in nicely yeah. when people are scrolling up and down. And that makes sense, but the question... Mastodon does that, too. It, it annoys me when I have to click on every single meme in order to be able to forward it. Right, because you're like, I can't see. What does this say? There's there's more to the image, and yeah. people play with that. 
because oh boy. that's fun because you can you well now if it's just strictly that it's taking the center of the image it's easy to kind of do that but twitter decided to be a little more fancy with it and twitter actually has an algorithm that tries to figure out using ai what people will want to look at in whatever image you're posting and they'll try to put that in the little box. And, so. and if there's one thing that trolls really, really excel at, especially the kind of autistic trolls that you find on the internet, it is finding new ways to screw with an algorithm. Yeah, well, it's fun. But what they found out, which is something that we've talked about here on Grumpy Old Benz, because it all is completely innocent. It's just the way the technology works when it comes to facial recognition. The darker your skin is, the harder it is for an AI to make out the details of your face. So what Twitter found out was if people were posting like photographs and you could have like five black people in the foreground, but there was one white guy in the background, well, it focused on him because it was seeing him better. And, you know, but this is, this is not racist. This is a case of the technology works in a way that if you have more contrast to the image, and if you have lighter skin, there's more contrast between you and your eyes and your mouth and the other features of your face. And that's just the way the computer system sees that image. But it's kind of funny. No, it's it's not overt racism. It's not intentional racism. It's the right. new type systemic racism. <laughs> no, it's unconscious racism. It's the racism that everybody has, but they don't know they have. And in fact, the proof that they have it is that they deny having it or or don't admit to it. But systemic means it's been around a long time. This is brand new. No, no. They just baked it into the system just recently. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, they're I don't always know. tweaking the system. I don't know what the answer is to this kind of stuff, except maybe just bail um, on your stupid algorithms. Which yeah, harden, harden up. Uh, you get some thicker skin. Stop being so fragile about everything. And this That's may the be answer. this may be the reason why images on Twitter have been getting longer when it comes to what shows in the timeline. I think they're trying to minimize what they have to do to show it in the feeds but uh and and there will be people who mess with that too oh of course i mean it would just be better twitter would be better if they just got rid of photograph i don't understand we still have instagram if people want to share photos go there i would love and you know mastodon included i would love a social media site platform that was doesn't allow any kind of images whatsoever those are seemingly long gone we have one of those it's called irc well, no, but I guess you could put links. So, but yeah, you're right. You can never see the image in IRC. So we need to go back to the 19. When did IRC come out originally? Like 1980? 70s. 70s. I, I'm pretty sure the protocol's older than I am. Let's go back to the future, baby. Yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty convinced that you, you bring these articles precisely because you know how much I relish the idea of, of somebody who thinks they know better than you getting proven wrong. Yeah. Which is like Twitter, like, we're going to be so superior. We're going to knock down racism with more racism. And it's not, you know, know, even if somebody does know better than getting proven wrong, it's, you know, it's not even the knowledge. It's not even the, the, whether or not they know better. It's the smugness about it. And it's, it's the clouds of smug that you get out of, uh, people 
who I don't know if you can blame them. This is the way they're taught, especially by media, especially by anybody who listens to NPR or Rachel Maddow is the way that people don't approach topics with rational discussions like, well, you're obviously wrong. And if you had ever read a book or, you know, fact check, read a dictionary sometime. And and that kind of smugness makes you just want to reach out and slap the smile off their face. And that's why stories about, well, your your smug bullshit is wrong are so appealing. Yes. And you'll find that out. I mean, there was a uh, another story about Twitter, which I pulled just for kind of that reason, which was there is a Spanish politician that got a 12 hour ban on Twitter for hate speech. And what his tweet said, which I don't really understand how this is hate speech, but the tweet that was tagged said, quote, and I'm doing a translation because was it in Spanish? Yes. Yeah. Um, The translated tweet was a man cannot get pregnant. A man has no womb or eggs. You can see this already fascist biology. Next time I'll try two plus two equals four. So um, that was his explanation of the tweet. So, yes, saying that a man cannot get pregnant will now get you banned from Twitter. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, uh, I mean, hello, wokeness 101. That's to get checks. I, I get it. It's like this is what they're worried about. And you wonder why we get nuts when this language stuff pops up. It was the one of the it's the first thing we talked about pretty much on Grumpy Old Ben's was the assault on language and the meaning of yeah. words. And it's continually but- gotten worse for two years. But what you describe is exactly, I mean, that, that is the, it's the lever that you use to grab the Overton window and yank it open. Right. It is, is you, you redefine things and then you normalize them. And now we have managed to, at least with half the, the Western world, we have managed to normalize the idea that uh, a man can get pregnant just by having the right biological parts and then deciding that you're a man and and being pregnant uh I, you know here's here's the evidence of moving the overton window is being pregnant doesn't make you less of a man anymore it, it, it used to it used to be but uh now the idea of of sex and gender have been have been changed have been marginal and i'm i'm not going to go out there and say that somebody who decides that they were born into the wrong gender doesn't have the right to make changes but what you don't have the right to do is force my language to change or or force anything on me that changes how i feel uh, uh you know the the People deciding to to take hormones and get surgery, you know, have at you be you. People telling me what pronouns I have to use, you fuck right off with that shit. Oh yeah, I fully agree with that. And there are some cases where this is starting to get um, kind of overblown a little bit, and where the anger is coming back out are things where uh, there was a transgender now woman that wanted to get onto the uh, ladies PGA tour. And this is bringing up a lot of questions again. Now, like, does this give you an unfair advantage and all that? You know, even Caitlyn Jenner came out and said, well, yes, a trans woman will have more strength than a non-trans woman. And these are things that have to be considered. When there, there have been a lot of states that have actually 
banned any uh, quote biological males from women's sports period because of this you know and it makes which, sense which by the way they it, well it may make sense but they those are haters oh my god that's racism that's hate crime <laughs> <laughs> right because again you're using logic and putting things into perspective and it's like that doesn't mean you know that you hate people that are trans it's like well no again i thought all these folks were about you know equality or equity no no it's only equity what did uh what did uh, joe rogan say recently something like if we keep following down the path we're on that straight white men aren't going to be allowed to talk in public or even leave the house i'm paraphrasing but that was uh um the 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 best comment that i remember seeing about the you know the the biological male engaging in women's sports is uh you know be, because it, it, uh, it, if your genes are correct then you're stronger and smarter now I, I, I on average men tend to be stronger than women okay we get that Physically, uh, now right. there are a lot of women out there who can bend me in half but i'm not i are but you, on average are, are but, you taking uh you're taking a some like uh, uh applications for this to to happen you're looking for some women that can bend you in half no i've already got all i need she's in the other room okay but um i i was gonna say so oh the 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 comment that i liked the most was uh i, I don't remember where i heard that the ultimate sexism of the left is introducing men into women's sports and then having the men win because what it proves is that men are better than women at everything, including being women. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that was the point I made when Victoria's Secret went and bent and put a trans model in some of their advertisements. I'm like, so what you're selling to women now is that the best example of what the clothes will look like on their body comes from this. And yeah. It didn't make sense to and, me. And this is this is why, uh, you know, the, the feminist groups who are arguably under the blanket of the left are really, really, really unhappy with the trans groups who are also under the blanket of the left. And there is a lot of, of fighting between those groups, which, of course, if you have leftist media, you don't want to show. So you don't hear much about it. But there's a lot of people who are very, very angry with a lot of other people which actually kind of sums up the state of the world today. Yeah, there's a little bit of anger out there. Yeah. I mean, just go into the troll room. You'll see that. There's always anger. Always so, so much drama. I feel like we, we need to talk about Walgreens. <laughs> that was a transition. Walgreens, what did they do? I mean, they're vaccinating people. They sell drugs. They're on, well, almost uh, not every in San street Francisco, corner. They don't. No? Whoa. No. Uh, this, this one, uh, comes from the San Francisco Chronicle and I had it in my notes two days ago and Dvorak decided to bring it up on no agenda yesterday. Oh, JCD scooping you. So he just able Kirby'd me, (laughs) but, um, the, uh, the article points out that San Francisco has actually developed, uh, roving shoplifting gangs. And I think we've talked about this before, Oh yeah, but, uh, but gangs of people who will get together and. I mean, literally organized crime because they will get together. They will send some people in to the store to engage the the employees of the store uh, to talk to them, ask questions, whatever. They'll send some other people to be lookouts and then they will have four or five people with backpacks go in and completely clean out a shelf in the store and leave and they would, you know, they make sure to pay attention to the prices and only get $950 worth of stuff per person 
so that no one will get prosecuted. And they go out and uh, a single incident, um, one particular Walgreens said that they ended up losing in a single night uh, $55,000 worth of merchandise to uh, a group of shoplifters. Sounds about right. And uh, so the uh, Walgreens, um, the representative from Walgreens who was interviewed said, uh, he said, well, let's see, he said, they train employees to be engaged in visible to prevent theft, but not confront thieves directly because it can turn violent. Yeah. Um, he pointed out that uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area, the, the greater San Francisco area, uh, they had 12 stores in San Francisco, which account for 8% of total sales amongst that region, but 42% of their losses to shoplifting. Ha! Nice. Um, he also said that the chain spends 35 times more on security guards in the city of San Francisco than elsewhere. Yeah, but what does that even do? Because you know that the company policy is to not engage. So the security is f- doing nothing. Well, the, I mean, if the I, I don't know, I the, the security might be engaged. They might have armed security. I'm not sure if I were running a store there, I probably would try. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, what the employees themselves, first of all, you, you got an employee making what's minimum wage in California, $45 an hour or something. Um, you got an employee making minimum wage who's trying to stock the shelves and run a cash register. It, it, it should not be in your job description. This is like over the last year, something we've talked about a number of times where, uh, you know, an employee whose job is stock shelves, help customers and run a cash register should not be in charge of enforcing social issues, whatever those be. They don't need to enforce, uh, the shoplifting. They don't need to be, you don't need to put, you don't need to put it on my grocery store bus boy to enforce whether or not I have a diaper on my face. Right. That this is, I mean, this is unreasonable to require and demand that of your employees. And, and I applaud the businesses who are like, actually, we're just going to direct our employees to help customers. Um, you know, one of the local hardware stores, the one I still like to go to is Lowe's because Lowe's publicly, uh, nationally has directed their employees not to harass people about wearing diapers on their face. They don't say anything. Well, that's like a much that. different thing than the shoplifting because yeah. the face diaper thing does not kill their business when the shoplifting is allowed because of the policies of the city or state what ends up is going to happen and we're seeing this with walgreens is the stores the companies that own the stores they're going to pull these stores out and there's going to be a huge impact on the communities that are serviced by these and we've talked about this at at length that you know sometimes there's only one or two grocery stores maybe one or one place to get your prescriptions within a five ten mile radius and if that place is getting hit with so much shoplifting that they have to close when are the people going to wake up Uh, the the concept you're talking about is a food desert and 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 screw you for dragging me back on topic but what you just (laughs) described is exactly what walgreens is doing which is why this is uh is a story uh, Walgreens has closed over the last five years. They have closed 17 locations in downtown San Francisco, and they recently announced that they are going to close or not downtown in the city of San Francisco. And they have recently announced that they are going to close the remainder of their locations in the city of San Francisco. There are not going to be any Walgreens in San Francisco anymore. Um, CVS is another pharmacy which has been closing and is talking about uh, they are going. Well, they just said they're going to review 
their their stores. Um, you're not going to be able to get any pharmacy drugs anymore in the city of San Francisco because of shoplifting, because of of organized roving gangs of people who are making it impossible to run a business because you you know the cops won't even arrest them anymore because the cops even even the ones who want to do good by the neighborhood know that the corrupt prosecutor will not prosecute anybody that you arrest if they can get out and they measure correctly and they do their math and they come out under a thousand dollars they're like oh well you're free to go and uh you enjoy those candy bars or or, um oh actually the the thing at the pharmacy that seems to be because the drugs are all behind the counter um the thing that apparently sells the best and and is the most popular is the makeup interesting i could see that because they can easily sell that at pennies on the dollar but you know somebody will buy i know for a while it was razor blades and they would lock those up as well condoms anything small that sells for a lot of cash is what the they'd be grabbing yeah yeah the the dollar per backpack space uh argument uh you know the the one place where it it used to be like razor blades is probably a thing especially since those are so useful in the street um uh, but uh have a nice clean shit i don't i don't think anybody's gonna you know somebody pulls out a gun or a switchblade nobody's pulling out their gillette five blade uh safety I, razor well i mean there are a number of uses for them many of which are not necessarily legal but uh i'm gonna let you use your imagination on that one. Oh, you're talking um, about drugs I, I yes but i i wasn't gonna say it but I, not well see not legal drugs though well, I, I, you know, I don't know. I've never actually been homeless on the street. I, I, for all I know, they're all snorting oregano. Well, but okay. I, I would have thought that the best, uh, dollar per backpack space in, in a drugstore was to walk down the drug aisle and start grabbing all, you know, the, like some of the, the nature supplements and stuff can be crazy expensive, but apparently, uh, because the, the far, you know, a lot of Walgreens are laid out such that most of the drugs are all within view of the pharmacist. Um, the, yeah, the, anyways, it was mentioned that, that makeup is the most shoplifted thing, uh, because the makeup counter is usually not watched all the time and is usually closer to the front of the store. Oh yeah. at our Walgreens, it's the first thing you walk into from the door is to the makeup section. I wouldn't be surprised if that's most Walgreens as, as a large company, they probably have a similar layout to a lot of their stores. In and out, baby, and easy to yep. sell, I guess. Oh, I imagine. Uh, you know, and also the homeless people have to look good for each other. <laughs> I don't think they're selling it to each other. Uh, honestly, I think homeless people are probably uh, a, a smaller portion of the shoplift. You know, they are the excuse that everybody gives. Uh, you know, uh, San Francisco public deputy public defender Doug Welch had this to say. He said, Officials agreed that different responses were needed depending on why somebody was committing a crime. Right. Clients charged with shoplifting are not part of organized crime, but are homeless or struggling with substance abuse and need more services. And I would be willing to bet that the majority of people doing this are not homeless, but rather are just poor people who have homes, uh, but would really just like to better their way uh you know a lot of them are probably punk kids who got together the like hey guess what the cops don't you don't even bother checking you if if you do this so you know let's get together some of them may or may not need the money i don't know i don't know what the details are but i would bet that a much smaller percentage of them are actually homeless people trying to help themselves out than there are people who are either 
trying to see what they can get away with or organized groups where, you know, there's some guy somewhere who isn't even he's not even going to go into the Walgreens because he doesn't want to be caught on camera. But he's the guy who's like, hey, bring me for every 10 pounds of makeup you bring me from Walgreens. I'll give you three dollars. Right. And that's and that's the guy running an eBay store selling makeup. Yeah. And he's yeah, he's selling it online or somewhere that uh, outside San Francisco where it's not so easy to get. Yeah. Well, or you're just selling it for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And yeah. that's another way to convert that into another. Uh, I, I I don't think the makeup is going to the homeless people. I think the makeup is going to people who are, are working in an office and are looking for a way to, you know, get it for cheap. Well, but this is where the concept of equity really starts hitting the fan when you start deciding, oh, well, certain people can break laws because, you know, the color of their skin or the amount of money they have or don't have a nation of laws will not survive that it will not survive the fact that you're saying oh well this person can walk into a walgreens and walk out with x amount of crash or x amount of uh, goods and will never get arrested but if some other person does that well then we're gonna we're gonna arrest him and throw the book at him yeah but more more generally selective enforcement is how you destroy the rule of law right and that's what they want to do though if you're on the left i believe is destroy the rule I, of law I, I well i don't know about rule of law specifically i think what they i mean probably i think what i mean the ultimate goal of the the new marxists and communists is everybody serves them and everything else is just how do we do this and if you have to create division and tear down the the modern structures and remove the rule of law then yeah okay we'll do that makes sense I don't, uh, it, yeah, but it's something that I think people need to understand. If your Walgreens are disappearing or your CVS stores are disappearing, understand why. Understand that a lot of the problems that we are dealing with, as you've pointed out multiple times, in Democrat-run big cities here in the United States, the problems are because of the people in charge. It's because of the district attorney or the state's attorney going, I don't really want to process people that are breaking the law. I really don't want to prosecute them. That's uh, that's an issue. If you're not going to, this is the same city, you know, in Chicago that somebody will get shot, you know, as long as it's a white guy shooting up a school or something. Oh, we need more gun control. I've never seen once in the city of Chicago called for more gun control when it was a black on black crime. If I'm wrong, show me a story where that was the case. But the problem is, it doesn't matter how many laws you have if you're not going to enforce the ones on the books. And that's been my stand for years on the gun crime in Chicago and elsewhere is you have the laws, use them when people get caught, put them in jail. But no, now because a vast majority of the gun crime in the city of Chicago is committed by blacks that no, 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 we can't have that. They're they're the victims. We We can't put those people in jail. And then you wonder why. The people that live in the communities that are ravaged by the gangs and by the drugs are not happy with what's going on either. The people that are taking the biggest hit are the people that live in those communities who are hardworking individuals who aren't involved in the drug trade, who aren't involved in the gangs. And they're just trying to raise their families and they're well, caught those in the middle. Are the real racists. Right. Yes. Those black people are horrible. For not being involved with the drugs, <laughs> the, in the, the domestic terrorists, the horrible people who just want to be left alone. Right. 
you know, and that they're the ones that are being hurt the most because it's yeah. their neighborhoods that are getting overrun. It's their neighborhoods. They're not going to be able to have a grocery store or a pharmacy because the ones the who gangs, selfishly want their kids to grow up with both a father and a mother. God, those horrible people. How dare they want a normal family unit? And yeah, I said normal. Sue me. That is the best thing for a kid is to have multiple parents. I don't even care. Mom and mom, dad and dad don't care. But parents that are engaged, two is better than one. You know, if you don't believe that's the truth, then, you know, fight me. Darren at random thoughts or Darren. At well, by that bands. logic, three is better than two, which means that uh, <laughs> really polygamy should be the, the rule, right? No, I thought you already said you couldn't handle more than one woman. I, I can't. No, no, no. That's just, just no. She's just. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have all the pussy I need right now. Oh, your cats. Are they still doing OK? We haven't had a cat update in a while. Oh, she's on my lap. Uh, the other one's across the room licking the wood stove. <laughs> so, well, it's not on because it's warm outside. So it's OK. Yeah. Although I don't know. Uh, what's the, So I'm not. assuming what's a wood stove made out of? It's uh, uh, um, cast iron. Cast, so cast iron must taste good. I, well, it, it, we haven't figured out why he's doing it. I think that the there has to be some nutritional deficiency um the the speculation is that uh you know he's he's getting old and his kidneys are failing and his heart is also not doing so well and we think that he's anemic and wants more iron in his blood and that's why he's listing <laughs> licking the cast iron stove but i we're not sure we don't really understand i just know there's a couple places where he's managed to lick the paint off and Whoa. is in fact rusting the stove because so he's been he, at it for a while he's been at it yeah damn that's uh that's one dedicated feline yes yes he's working on it uh i had a follow-up um our story on monday about the motorcycle airbags was uh it got a lot of comments to it and uh i had i had two bits of follow-up that i wanted to bring uh one was from uh, a youtuber who happened to cover the same topic and i apologize if you don't remember who sent me this but uh i liked the topic um but one of the points that he made, the, the YouTuber was Lewis Rossman, who is a, a really big right to repair person. Um, and the comment was, when you buy a device to potentially save your life, you do not want it to have any code at all that might tell it to stop working deliberately. Right, because it may accidentally not work. Yeah, there, there's so many ways like you, you, you just don't I don't want that function to be I don't want the function that says, you know, die. Right. To be in my safety <laughs> gear. And that's all I, I there just, is. If you think about it in the code, but you know, before the thing fires, it goes, did this person pay? If yes, save life. If no, screw them. Yeah. I, I, and it's not even about, does your business model make sense? It's about, I don't want that code to exist because there are way too many ways. There could be a bug. There could be a, a, a glitch there. A there hack. could be a hacker. Right. There could be all kinds of ways that this code gets fired and wasn't supposed to. Um, uh, Srinivas Murthy also pointed out on NAS. Uh, he said, uh, you missed another scenario when the Moto GP airbag fails to connect the app to the company. When those guys forget to renew their SSL certificates. Oh, and um, that happens a lot. Well, th- I mean, that's yes, that's a huge thing. If, if, if you, somebody, if, if my life depends on your IT guy remembering to renew your certificates, I, I don't know that that's my, I, I trust me. I have a lot of faith in a lot of IT guys, but I, not that much. Um, but also fails to connect. I was just thinking, what if the internet's down? What if a website's down? What if somebody's executing a DDoS attack? Uh, is, is somebody going to go and be, you know, to the next MotoGP 
uh, event and kill all the riders by executing a DDoS attack on their Wi-Fi system. Well, I mean, you'd also I, have to make them crash. And I am, I'm assuming, although I'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure, I'm assuming this is a system of like when you're putting the vest on, you know, you press a thing and OK, it's yeah. it's active. It's not connecting actively that, that while is how, you're, yes, you know, while you're riding when, that would when be you bad. when you. When you turn on the vest and enable it or put it on, whatever that is, that's that's when it does the check. It's not doing the check while you're out on the motorcycle. Right. It's not. <laughs> but, you could be in but, you could be in an arena like you were in that garage I, and you don't have a signal. And it's like, well, I don't have a signal. Should I kill this guy or should I? And, and it also points out that if you if your vest is not active, then it it will show you like there's blinking red lights that say you don't have airbags. It's not like you won't know. But it. I, there's there's still scenarios like uh huh the internet is completely out and it can't call home but i really have to go on in two minutes so i'm just gonna put this on and i hope i don't crash and i, I can see that people do that because who is going to be like i you know the show is going on and my part is coming up and i've got to go jump through a flame on my motorcycle through a flaming hoop for some reason and that you know, the, the show is coming to a crescendo and my part on stage is in two minutes. But wait, I can't go because the Wi-Fi is down. I I can totally see a scenario where uh, just an Internet fuck up would cause somebody to be very, very unsafe. So, yeah, the, the more I thought about this story, the more I was like, this is a terrible, terrible idea to tie your possibly your very life to making sure that everything is working with a cloud service. Right. Well, that's that's it, because the code exists, which means even in the case of everything's perfectly fine with their servers, there's a glitch in the system, as you said, and the thing doesn't connect. And I don't know what the programming is. If, you know, if it once the thing, I would hope once the thing is on and activated, if it senses that there is the need for it, there's nothing at that point going, oh, double check that we're activated before it does the safety feature that it needs to do. But yeah, that's a uh, we talked about that in the last show. We kind of understand the point where maybe you can't afford the thing. So you're paying it off monthly. And that's where the subscription kind of comes in. But when you're but dealing there, there with something ways. that might save your life, I don't know. Yeah, th- there are ways of of making somebody pay off something you, know, you can enter a monthly contract with people and uh you can generally you're pretty good at companies issue monthly contracts all the damn time and a society doesn't crash to a close if you're not literally killing people when they stop paying you could assign somebody up for a monthly contract and let them continue using it and if they use it and they haven't paid Maybe save their life and then go after them in court. You'll get your money that way. I, I don't kill. I, I don't kill people. It's not right. Yeah, that's uh, the that first a, commandment. Is that the official <laughs> grumpy old Ben stands? Don't kill people. It's not right. We are on board with with the, the first commandment. It, wait, is it the first one? It's the, one of them. You know, of the Ten Commandments, I believe so. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah. I mean, some of the Good other advice. ones you play fast and loose with, but that one you're in on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all totally on board. The other ones are still under review. Now, I had a follow-up, too, from the Apple versus Epic story, which Ooh, is, like that one. It's, yeah, this has been 
If you want to talk about grabbing the popcorn and having an entertaining battle between two companies that have a decent amount of money, this was the latest thing. One of Apple's top software engineers said a couple of things that is making the news, which, you know, if if you if you're making the news, it's either really good or really bad. But one of the concepts was for Apple and its app store. Apple was making the case of there's a lot of malware out there. And by them being able to control the app store, they're basically vetting all this and they're keeping you safe. They're using safety Except that they're not. Well, that is what this Apple employee said. It's, I mean, it's, I'm assuming. it's a key to their argument. And it. As the the last time I talked about this one in, in Epic's opening statements, it was pretty clear that they were from their opening argument that they were going to attack that aspect of saying Apple, you know, Apple's argument hinges on they are providing service by keeping people safe. And here's all the ways that they're not keeping people safe. Yeah. So this is Apple's senior vice president of software engineering, Craig Federighi, F-E-D-E-R-I-G-H-I. And he played- I have heard it pronounced Federici. Federici, that could be. He said, I mean, this was the company line. He started with, today we have, quote, today we have a level of malware on the Mac that we don't find acceptable. Okay, that's perfectly understandable. Yeah. I, I mean, any amount, but sure. He says that allowing apps from other sources would create a, quote, very, very bad situation for our customers, including a huge decrease in their safety. But you know, you so, know what else it would create? What? It would create Freedom? a, quote, open platform. It would. But this is an I mean, this is an argument that could actually be had legitimately, which is let the customer decide. Would you rather have the open platform, but you have less safety or have the lockdown platform? I believe a lot of people would choose the lockdown platform. And I believe a lot of people would, be, would probably be split fairly evenly if people had that choice and i don't know if there's any world where apple gives people that choice which is hey if you want the most safety for your device don't turn on these alternate app stores or anything like that and we've got you covered you know i don't know if there's any guarantee they would give i I would extend that if you want the most safety for your device turn it off put it in a drawer and then take a hammer to it well that is 100 percent safety from the phone although you might shatter the screen and you might cut your fingers and that wouldn't be good but you know apple could do that and if you're going to do that go ahead and take a video post to youtube for some free likes right and apple could do that and they could say you know out of the box you're fully apple safe whatever that means now but if you press this button here the phone unlocks and all that and then you also don't have all the protections from us and if your phone gets screwed that's on you and i think a lot of people would be happy with that but when it comes to what apple is actually doing for your safety with the app store the same guy that uh well no this is a different guy actually this would make more sense then eric friedman who is the head of apple's fraud engineering algorithms and risk unit he had a little bit of a different story than the other guy he said that apple's review process for newly submitted applications was quote more like the pretty lady who greets you at the Hawaiian airport than the drug sniffing dog, which doesn't uh, doesn't lead me to have a whole lot of uh, faith in what mm, Apple's doing. He said right. he also said the Apple system is not 
equipped to, quote, deflect sophisticated attackers. So this is the guy who's in charge of this at Apple going, yeah, our system doesn't work, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if he's still uh, in charge or what that I just, over uh, Apple. Sorry, I was just pulling up the notes that I was uh, reading from from show 158, which would be two weeks ago, uh, where I had uh, precisely that quote. More like the pretty lady who greets you with a lay at the Hawaiian airport than the drug sniffing dog. Yeah. Uh, app review is bringing a plastic butter knife to a gunfight. Uh, <laughs> we are building fire sprinklers, but we need to pick up a hose. Uh, yes, sometimes they catch things, but you should regard them as little more than the equivalent of the TSA at the airport. Which this is going to be a big deal with this seemingly going to court and Apple stepping out there going, well, our whole case depends upon us keeping people safer with the app store. And then the and, Apple employee in charge of this going, yeah, we don't keep anybody safe. And, and just to be clear, those quotes that I just read came from Apple internal emails. This is not pundits talking about Apple. This is Apple's internal people talking to each other is that bad so they they know it they know what the state of the security is on the devices yes which isn't good and this is also an interesting thing if this gets into we talked about ignorance in the general population i think a lot of people believe that apple devices are very very safe and anything they download from the app store is going to be very very safe when the reality is they're not all that safe apple doesn't do that great of a job because they are not able to put i mean we talked about how many millions of apps there were and how many millions are submitted how many millions of apps are having updates submitted to try to pretend that apple has either a the enough people to do this and enough good people that understand being able to decompile and look at every little bit of something in a code that could be very very long as you talked about things like the flashlight apps like well it's really easy to hide a little snippet in there that would maybe not get caught when apple is looking at this deciding whether or not they should okay it for the app store the reality is there is so much being submitted and so many different companies making apps anybody can do it i mean there's also no bar except you write the app and you register with apple and maybe i think there might be a couple hundred bucks or something to pay to register but it's a very low bar to be able to have your app in the apple store and i don't want to i i i want to make it clear i I am not accusing apple of of trying to half-ass their security and i don't even think epic is trying to accuse them of that i nobody is saying that apple is is intentionally introducing bugs or not doing their best i I think that the reality of the situation is that what Apple is promising and an app store where anybody can in can submit apps and it's completely safe is an impossible dream. It's not feasible. It's not so even right. with all of their resources as the largest corporation on Earth, Apple is not capable of delivering 100 percent security. But that's nobody kind of is. their nobody's claim. Ever, yeah, nobody's but, ever been able to. But that's kind of their claim. And they're saying, well, this is why we're charging you 30 percent so we can do this. And if that's your if that's your case, you're going to lose they're selling complete security for their 30 percent, which isn't. And, and I don't think they can deliver. <laughs> right. Right. So that's it. If you can't deliver on what you're promising, this is where the case is going to not go Apple's way because you have the well, that's people. certainly Epic's argument. And it seems to be right because the people that are in the uh, higher echelon at Apple have admitted as such. 
so I, I don't know how this is going to work out for mature. I love that. It's akin to hackers bringing a plastic butter knife to a gunfight. <laughs> no, yep. that's not going to win. That is not going to win. And this is a this is a pretty big deal. And this may, I mean, it may not, but this could change the way Apple has to do business and open up their system a little bit oh, more. That, but, that's what Epic is asking for. And I don't know if your average I mean, Apple all, all Epic, fanboy wants that. All Epic really wants is uh, the, the thing that they are asking for is for the court to order Apple to allow an alternate app store on the iPhone. Uh, and uh, uh, by the way, uh, purely coincidentally, Epic happens to run an alternate <laughs> app store. Well, and we talked about this in the past as well. I don't remember the exact percentage. Maybe you do. But the amount of money that Apple brings in on that 30 percent is way more than I had originally expected. I thought they were mainly still making their money in hardware. And uh, that wasn't the case anymore. It was they were making the, a the, lot of money. The, the number I had from my again, going back to my notes from two weeks ago, uh, Apple uh, made in in Q1, their 30 percent. No. Uh, in okay i can't read my notes fuck my notes um in in q1 apple made over a hundred billion dollars in revenue or in sales in the app store one quarter and 30 percent of that so you're looking at at 30 billion dollars that's in, pretty good and just for apple in one quarter and what are they do you have any idea what they made selling iphones and uh, laptops in that quarter uh, I, I, I don't know if I don't, yeah, actually I don't have that information. Um, I can speculate wildly, but so can you. <laughs> yes. And, uh, this was, if I remember the breakdown, the last time I saw it, the money they're bringing in from the app store, 30% was significant. I mean, 30 billion in a quarter. Of course it's significant. Yeah, that's significant. I, I'll take it. Yeah. I'd be able to do a lot with that 30 billion. And this would be the case if, Although if they do get this is where the breakdown then comes in. I mean, the fact that Epic has their own app store is irrelevant. I mean, it's relevant, but it's kind of irrelevant because if this change is made, if the courts smack Apple down and say, yeah, you have to open this up to alternate app stores, there's going to be a slew of them. And everybody that's selling in the Apple store now paying 30% are just going to move over to whatever place gives them a better deal or start their own. Well, yeah. Uh, wait, what? Wait, you mean? competition yes. might arise yeah which I, makes sense well if you're a monopolist that's the worst possible thing that could happen exactly apple will be back to just making hardware which i is just okay. spotted i just spotted this gem in uh the that was part of of apple's rebuttal to the 30 percent argument said uh well because most apps are free apple's effective commission on the app store is only 8.1 percent <laughs> well see they're not I, wrong i i kind of think they might be because if most apps are free then selling those apps selling a free app does not raise your revenue no so, i mean it would cost them some money i would guess and servers and downloads but i don't think it costs that much i think oh, i don't I think agree. running this costs i don't think running this costs even a pixel into the progress bar on 30 billion dollars <laughs> probably not now does apple do you know or anybody in the troll room know if you have one of those free, if you're a developer and you have a free app, 
and that app has advertising in it. Now, are they making a third of that advertising or how is that working out? I mean, I get that they get uh, any payment they're getting 30 percent, but I, I, I haven't checked recently. But my understanding of the advertising is that if you sell advertising in an app that's sold in the app store, Apple you get your advertising ads. from Apple. Oh, see, that's beautiful. Uh, Apple sells advertising. They're not they're not as big as Google or Facebook, but they sell online advertising to apps or through apps that are sold in the app store. On but, their platform. But that's why this is a huge deal, because the minute somebody else can come in and open an alternate app store on the Apple ecosystem or in the Apple ecosystem, Apple's 30 percent disappears. It'll, it would be interesting to see what whoever comes in now. I mean, yeah, how, Epic, how awful for everybody that that the market value might actually choose what the right percentage is instead of Apple arbitrarily setting it for everybody. But it almost goes down to the point of then you could just do this to hurt Apple. I mean, maybe rightfully so, but I'm all right with that. You know, say you're Google and Google's like, oh, well, we now have an app store that you can use on the iOS systems and we're going to charge people one percent. Google's charging you 30. If we're charging you one. First of all, I I am going to give you a certainty that if Epic wins this lawsuit and Apple is forced to open up iOS to alternate app stores, you are going to see Google put a, a an app store on there that immediately. Will it's probably ready to go. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, they, yeah, they might have already coded it up. <laughs> like we're ready to press that button, and it's going to be a very interesting thing if that happens. And I do believe that would be better for the consumer overall. There's no way that this is going to cost people more to get their software the it may, it may cost you more for your phones but this is then where apple has to decide how much they think they can soak people for the yeah, hardware yeah. Devices. How, how much more are people willing to pay for uh well it's Man. apple so people would probably pay two thousand dollars a phone if they wanted it but i remember the good old days when it was like who would ever spend over five hundred dollars on a phone and then it was seven hundred and then it was a thousand now these top of the line phones are what twelve, thirteen, fifteen hundred bucks. It's something crazy, which which is why I'm still using a phone from 2017. Oh, does it still work? Yeah, it's still. In fact, just a moment ago, it still made an obnoxious yowling noise because some fucking spammer decided that they want it. Well, it, the real yeah. question there is, I may I may or may not have a link for this for the uh, for the show notes, but I did recently read an article about Android and malware. And how many devices were still using, and I always forget the names of these, but of Android 8 and Android 9, that there were still a decent amount of devices out there running the old operating systems. And that starts to become sure a huge security nightmare. And I get it. I mean, if you're well, a company... Seven, seven, eight, ten years ago, uh, one of the most horrifying things that everybody in the mobile industry pointed to was fragmentation on Android because there was no path for most of the early Android phones. There was no path to upgrade to a newer version. You had to throw your phone away and people weren't throwing their phone away, which meant that at any given time there were seven versions of Android out in the wild. Right. And you're like, well, it still works. It's like, yes, but you have no security, which I mean, maybe you're fine with that. Some people are just ignorant to that. And I don't know, this could open up a, we could probably do a whole show on the, the debate of how long well, a company should have to, or if they should ever have to, 
but how long they should support any given device. I mean, if they came out with the phone 20 years ago and somebody's still wanting to use it, should they still have to keep updating that software? Well, phones of 20 years ago didn't support nearly as many features and APIs and apps that phones today. Phones today are a a hotbed of places where malware can seep in from almost anywhere and vulnerabilities. Uh, but it is it is a known fact in computer security that the more features you have, the more surface area you have to protect with your security. So I would argue that something on Android 4 is, even without any updates at all, is already going to be a lot more secure than a lot of modern ones for the simple reason that it doesn't do anything and therefore you can't get malware on it. Somehow the old technology is better. But the, I mean, then the question becomes you release Welcome a phone, to grumpy old Benz. Yeah. The phone you release today or the tablet you release today or whatever. How long should a company have to support that for? What do you think is a reasonable amount of time if you're buying a tablet or a phone today to be like, well, how long should the company continue? If I'm putting my money down today, what what should I get guaranteed? One year, two years, five years? What's the uh I don't think it's reasonable to to set a single value across the whole industry. I think it depends on your customers. If you're selling uh for example, if you're selling to enterprise, then the reasonable amount is is what most enterprises use as a, a hardware replacement cycle for their entire organization, which is a pretty big deal. You know, if you're selling to individuals, it's it's more a give and take. And, and with big corporations, it's usually take. But uh, it's whatever whatever people want to are willing to put up with, I guess. You know, how often are people updating? If if you if you arbitrarily say we are not going to support anything more than one year, but you put together something that lasts more than a year, then a year later, you're going to have a lot of angry customers who are probably not going to pick up your your product ever again because you aren't supporting it that makes and sense if you put if you do uh you know the well uh i'm not going to necessarily accuse apple of this but there let's arbitrarily say that there's a silicon valley company out there who puts out a piece of garbage where the screen cracks and destroys itself after six months and people keep having to buy brand new ones over and over again then you don't have to support them very long do you no, no, you don't. Uh, DigiGuru says at least five years. And I would guess, I don't know if there's anybody guaranteeing this. If there is a contract anywhere when you buy a device like this that says we guarantee. I mean, some companies I know promise that they'll keep doing updates, but it's an it's a valid question. I, I mean, this was a huge, huge question when uh, especially on the team in Windows at Microsoft. Um, there are still people using windows seven now there are probably still people using windows xp and when i was there we had some really agonizing discussions over okay windows xp is what 10 12 years old and we want to not be supporting it because we've changed the architecture of the system so much that there aren't even that many people who understand what was going on in that code anymore and of those people we don't want them to spend all their time working on old code but if you put out a product that's going to keep working that long, you know, we, we XP, the, um, the support for XP was in fact extended a couple times for the simple fact that so many people were using it that 
there was going to be a, a PR hit if we cut them all loose. Well, yeah, I believe then, a lot of ATMs still use Windows XP. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen medical equipment that still uses XP, although not as much now. Um, my actually, the last time I was in, I saw a medical a piece of medical equipment that was using Windows Vista, which was scary. <laughs> is, that, is that more so than XP? Uh, I don't know. You're like, what are you thinking? I didn't think that Vista was the nightmare that a lot of people did, uh, but I will admit that part of that might be because I worked on it. Well, and it was a fairly reliable system for me. Anyway, I remember the blue screens almost being non-existent with Vista compared to XP. And I you thought know, XP the- was pretty good, but. Microsoft had uh, informally, we didn't really plan it this way, but Microsoft had a bit of a TikTok type of system where they would make huge leaps forward in technology and then they would have a release where they refined it. And, uh, you know, Windows 2000 was a huge leap forward in technology. Windows XP refined that. It didn't add a lot of new technology over Windows 2000, but it added uh, the Fisher Price UI, which was, you know, pretty popular uh windows vista was a pretty big leap forward where they brought in a lot of new technologies and then they had aero glass which people hated and windows 7 came out and aero glass was off by default and they refined it and they put in a lot of ui changes and a lot of fixes and polished it up people loved windows 7 then windows 8 came out and <laughs> oh, uh, you know among other things they uh, completely uh, i i was personally on the team that was uh originally our thought was we're going to create the thing that will eventually replace win 32 that by the way didn't work out because some marketing dumbass decided hey we've got this brand new api and we want to push our app store so let's make it so that in order to use the api you have to make a windows tablet app on your desktop pc and boy that didn't work out very well People hated Windows 8, but why oh, yeah. do people hate Windows 8? They hated the tablet me- mechanics. They hated yes. the start screen. Yes. But the new technologies underneath were pretty awesome. And then after that, you know, they Windows 10, the first version of Windows 10, at least, they smoothed everything over. But underneath, it really wasn't that much new. It was kind now, of, yeah, it was kind of Windows 8 without the crap people didn't like. Yeah. With the tablet. I mean, the, that, what was the huge, the very first thing that everybody loved about Windows 10? They brought the start menu back. Yes, and I'd love me some start menu. I mean, I was somebody that when the new Windows versions came out, I was never one of those that wanted to be like, oh, I'll wait for a year. Or I'll wait for months until they work the bugs out. You know, I was always like, oh, let's let's install it and see what it does. Let's see if it's cool. And more times than not, it was better than the last version. But uh, Windows 8, no, I never went to Windows 8 because I saw what that did. Actually, I may have rolled back a machine. I may have installed Windows 8 and then went, what the hell there's, is this? There's third-party stuff you can install on Windows 8 to, to add. I mean, a lot of people did. It was, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. There, there was a software that would... Uh, replace the start screen with a start menu right um i yeah i don't remember what it is somebody will remember that yeah i remember Uh, that existing but i remember going now i'll just go back to seven so i went from seven then to ten i never did work in windows most people did and i gotta say the one of the main reasons that i can i'm still on windows 8 on this computer right here and one of the main reasons why i'm perfectly happy with it and perfectly capable of doing it 
I never use the start menu. I never use the start screen. If I accidentally hit that button, I swear at myself, but I'm pretty good about not hitting it. Um, when, when my primary interface to everything in the computer is the command prompt, I, I I'm totally okay with the, the start menu not being there. Yes. And I tell you what, there's a lot of things that I do use that weren't in windows seven. So, and you are echoing like line for line, digi guru in the, troll room right now like classic shell that's right oh classic shell that was yeah that was that was one of the things it was i think there was more than one but that was the big one and you never i I do remember at the time also that uh, a lot of the people in the windows team were really really irrationally angry that classic shell even existed like Like, how dare they mess right yeah we made this new ui for everybody like no you made the new ui for tablets yeah and it was not a friendly thing to use if you were still using a mouse, which I still was. And yeah. uh, it turns out a lot of people like using a mice and the mouse. You know, the funny thing is that tile interface, that tile interface was pulled straight out of uh, Windows Phone, which it was unfortunate that that shitty management caused Windows Phone to fail because there was some really, really cool innovations that came into that. The, the interface really worked on a phone. Yes. Well, that's what it was made for. It was made for the touch screens, and that's what Apple's been doing all along on the phone. I mean, it was very similar, but I mean, Apple, I guess, had the cool factor where Windows didn't, which is why Apple survived the and, and thrives in the phone market where Windows phone. I mean, I don't remember was were there a lot of problems with the Windows phones crashing and usability because I always thought they did a pretty good job. They were just the, oh, the, the ones I used were really rock stable. Yeah. Um, the, the big problem that I had with the windows phone was, uh, that the, the operating system was in a lot of flux and every single time that they came out with new features or even bug fixes or a new version, uh, they would not support the older hardware, which meant that if you wanted, especially or in the early days when windows phone was gaining momentum, if you wanted to keep up with new hardware with new fixes with the operating system you didn't want to get stuck in a an anchored rut you absolutely had to keep buying brand new phones and then after a while the even the phone manufacturers like no screw this we're you know we're selling three of them per phone and you keep making us have to make brand new ones because the old ones don't work well you can't sell the old ones then because nobody wants them and eventually the only company making windows phones was nokia which microsoft had purchased for a while well, which made sense. <laughs> not to the not to the people at Nokia. It didn't. They were a little upset, huh? I uh, they well they they didn't really think that, that it was a match made in heaven. Which I guess made sense because five years later, Microsoft ended up spinning them off into their own company again. And then they bailed on the whole market, which I always thought was interesting. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. this phone market's not going anywhere. But Windows <laughs> Phone had some incredible innovation and some really boneheaded uh, management decisions, which kind of tanked the whole project which was unfortunate because there was some cool stuff well and there would have been a lot of money to be I mean, this is where everybody has gone so i really can't believe they bailed out of that whole ecosystem and i, I really i don't understand how we got to this point again which is there's apple and there's google and those are the only two people really for all intents and purposes at this point i know there are some other alternatives but this is what 99 percent of the world is using and uh this is how you get to the point where somebody like Apple could charge 30% to play in their little sandbox. 
Sure. Windows uh, could have saved know, us. Epic keeps arguing Apple is a monopoly because they own the entire iOS market. Apple is claiming that they're not a monopoly because there's also Android and therefore Apple only owns a small portion of the market. But given that you can't install apps back and forth between them, I'm I'm swayed more by Epic's argument. I'm with you. I am with you. It's going to be fun to watch that one go. But as we do, we do have some experts to thank on today's episode of Grumpy Old Ben's. You approve of experts? Well, I don't know if they always approve of you, but uh, that's fine. At least half, I guess, do. I don't know how the percentage goes, but we have an executive producer today. Apparently, your favorite trolls still think that random thoughts are are a better show than (laughs) than Grumpy Old Ben's. Sir Gene has always been very sure and very stable about that viewpoint. Random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts dot com, a way better show than Grumpy Old Ben's. And I mean, I'd like to argue with them. I mean, I, I like arguing with Gene, but I mean, there are some things that I'm like, no, OK, I'll give you that one. I will. I will bow to your wisdom and and have to agree. But there were some people that obviously thought there was some value in Grumpy Old Ben's because we do have an executive producer today, a name that we've seen quite a bit, Sir Lee Mofo. And he doesn't seem that surly, but it's S-I-R-L-E-E. It's not surly as an angry, although he may be angry. You never know. He has a note, comes in with 3333 and says, here's to the greatest grumpers hoping for a morning zoo. And yeah, we're all hoping that this isn't just one of the no agenda projects, this new morning zoo concept that doesn't get made like JCD. No, it's going to release simultaneously with the vinegar book, right? The vinegar book, JCD's radio play. We have, uh, but a lot of talk. I did notice that there was actually a section in the no agenda show notes yesterday about the morning zoo. So it was actually planned and that it had to be mentioned. So this does give it a little bit more oomph to it. That gives it a little bit more credibility. And the only thing in the notes, which I think this is their way. I I, I don't know how much credibility you want, but because I still have the, the show notes from two weeks ago up, I just want to point out, I have a section in my show notes about the pea pod that Carl did. Um, so having something in the show notes not necessarily conclusive but then they talked about it on the show and what was in the show notes adam did mention on the show adam curry on the no agenda show that to add to the morning zoo and i thought this was their way of including you because they opened up they the show was kind of built this way the two main hosts which originally everybody thought would be adam and john c devore but john's like ah I don't want to do I don't want to be the sidekick. So he said I should be the sidekick. So thank you for that, John. He said we should have Dame Jennifer as the sassy female that does the and you know that kind of adds the female perspective. Kind of kind of wondered about casting all these people before they'd even asked anyone, but sure. Well, this is how this is just you go, hey, this is like happens in Hollywood. Quite often you'll have a character and in the notes you'll have, oh. We're looking for a, uh, you know, Tom Cruise type and, you know, Tom Cruise could walk in and maybe not get the job. But this is what they've got it labeled down. So this is like, well, we need a Dame Jennifer type for this. We need a Darren O type for this. We I've seen some of Tom Cruise's most recent movies and he's not the Tom Cruise type anymore. He is. He is not quite uh, in his prime. We shall say Mo Fax was supposed to be the sports guy. I mean, I thought that seemed like a little on the nose, but okay. I'm sure he could pull that off. But the one thing when they were looking for the overtly gay entertainment reporter and John Fletcher sent in a demo reel 
which was I, fantastic. John Fletcher's demo reel was amazing. Fantastic. That was, that was great. If you haven't I heard had, it. Until Adam played the kicker, I had no idea that that who that was. And you know, I had to go back and listen again because it did not. There were no tells that it was Fletcher and his his low bassy voice was gone and he just he pulled off everything about it. But the one section that they added, which this was in the show notes, we need an intern that is a little bit on the spectrum who doesn't do any work, but everything they do is wrong. And I'm like, Pemrose, that's the that's the guy we need. You can play that part perfectly well. Well, I suppose that's better than all the people in the troll room who were shouting out my name when they were talking about the gay guy. <laughs> well, see, Fletcher wanted to step in for that or bend over for that. I don't know what he wanted to do, but he put a t- demo reel in and it was absolutely fantastic. So I'm hoping that an actual uh, script for this comes out because I think this could be a fun little thing for the community. Well, I, as of yet, I have not been approached about this project. I don't think anybody has. It's going to be like open casting calls. It'll be fantastic. But thank you, Surly Mofo. More like more like casting couch. Well, that's only for Fletcher and, you know, special folk. Thank you for the 3333 coming in at 25 bucks. And this may be a monthly Sean McCune. I know I've seen that name before, and I believe that amount. So thank you, Sean. No note, no nothing. Then we got 2333 from our buddy Bacon Dude, who has a note that said, I start looking more into Mm, Cardano. Yeah, I know. I love bacon. I make bacon almost every day. It's the only reason I went, let's see, keto, this kind of seems like a pain in the, oh, I can eat bacon? Okay. That seems, that seems like. Yeah, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to turn down any pitch that starts with, you can eat bacon. Yes. That's the diet to have. If, uh, if you can eat bacon, that would be right up there at the top of my list. But Bacon Dude said he start looking into Cardano, and it's been going up, and it's been going down. I mean, it, it's still more than I originally got in on it, so I'm still happy, even with all of the fluctuations. And he says that Cardano seems to be the coin for me to invest in. Shout out to Grumpy Old Benz for yelling at clouds. Apparently, others listen. See, that's what scares us the most, Bacon Dude. That we, I knew it would happen eventually. That people are listening. And they're well, like, I, I, I could tell people are listening because people are shouting right back these days. They're sh- right. They're shouting right back at you. I checked a little bit earlier. We have 107 in the... Troll, well, not in the troll room listening right now on the stream. We had 111 a little bit earlier. So, a big day, a pretty good day for uh, Grumpy Old Ben's on a Friday. Now that we've hit triple digits, we just need to try to keep it there. We do these shows live on Monday and Friday at noon Eastern time right here on the No Agenda stream. We're we're about to catch up with how many people are on at seven in the morning uh, for the uh, No Agenda pre show. Well, the pre show, that is, now I've been noticing, like, right about. It used to be I would start and you'd get about an hour in and then it would finally hit triple digits. Now it's almost immediately. So I do have to thank everybody for tuning in for that one as well. I know we may have to talk to Adam because there was some breaking news on the podcast index 2.0 latest episode that Adam is considering going live with that, which they do that on Friday as well. At the same time, I think that we do this show, but I would be more than happy I'm I'm pretty sure they are recording that right now as we're speaking. And I would be more than happy to let them do that live at this time and just push us to right after. I mean, Adam being the fluffer for this show would be great. And he could just send it right over to us after they're done. I mean, it's not like following no agenda that could go three, four, five hours. The podcast index 2.0 show seems pretty stable between 90 minutes and two hours. And that could be a great one-two punch. 
on Friday. So we'll have to see if Adam really wants to do that. It could be a, it could make I mean, for the, if, a lot more fun for the trolls. It would mean I'd get to sleep in a little bit. Yes, you would like to uh, to get a little bit more shut eye. So, I mean, stay tuned for that, too, because that's a possibility. And I think that would be a lot of fun coming in. Speaking of a guy that's a lot of fun. Progo, our buddy, comes in with his monthly check at twelve dollars. I did a, a thing for him this past week after the uh, colonoscopy. I think I talked about that for his computer club, talking about podcasting and the lucrative business venture that it is that you could make tens of dollars a year by being a podcaster. And uh, that was a lot of fun talking to Progo. And we appreciate Progo for supporting the grumpiest show in the universe. You can go to his site, smallcomputer.us, find out a whole lot more about Progo, maybe more than you ever wanted to know. He he, he is what we refer to as a working Ben. He, yes. he is actually making his career doing all of the things that we you know tell people to do or some of the things we tell people not to. Yeah. See, now, um, if we come up with a concept and we tell you that you should do it, don't ask us how to do it. Ask Progo. Yeah. Yeah. Go go to one of the Ben's who's actually working for a living instead of talking into the microphone. You'll get a much better answer. Your system probably won't blue screen quite as much and you'll be way happier. But uh, thank you, Progo. Coming in at 696 with a check, which I believe is also monthly. Betty Solero. Thank you. And Cameron White coming in with six dollars and thirty three cents. I think I'm I'm not certain, but I think Betty might be uh, bullied on uh on nas and in the troll room nice um, i'm not certain i think uh, I've, I've definitely seen the uh, uh posts by that person uh actually i have no idea if that's who that is or not but i'm i'm guessing either way we know she's an expert yes an expert and that is a credit that can be given at any point and as adam curry often says with the no agenda show we will back you up you are a producer of the grumpiest show in the universe and it is very much appreciated now we do work on the value for value model which means we do these shows we put them out there where there's no paywall we just uh, ask that if you got any value out of the show whatsoever like our buddy bacon dude who said hey you guys kept pretty much pounding me over the head talking about cardano and i thought that was valuable information so here's a little bit of love going back to you you figure out an amount what it was worth to you you put it into a number that means something to you and you so go what to, you're saying is we should do more crypto segments. Probably. It seemed to pay off for all the people that hated it. It seemed to actually help some people. So, uh, I mean, that's, you know, it's a good topic when it gets people frothing at the I, mouth. It, yeah, it, it definitely is. It, wh- whether you agree with us or not, whether you think we're right or not, it, it is definitely a topic that gets people engaged and talking. And that actually makes it a pretty good podcast topic. There was somebody that posted a no agenda social. In regards to Cardano, the comment, yeah, that's not happening. Like Cardano is not happening. I'm like, what does that mean? It, it, it's it, not it kind happening. of is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I can point you to where the blockchain is located. It, it kind of is happening. Yeah. I mean, they may have, I'm assuming they meant wasn't going to be successful, now, but may, that's maybe not... it's not a thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was just like, well, that's not helpful at all. It's not happening. Oh, okay. But it is, it is happening. But you put that into the dollar amount that you thought the value was grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. You can use the donate button and that'll take you to PayPal for a one time or monthly donation. You can use the P.O. Box address. Go to your bank, go to your website for your bank and tell them you want to do a one time or a monthly donation through your online bill pay. You don't even have to buy a stamp. You don't have to sign the check. They do it all for you. Or you can use 
one of those cryptocurrency addresses for Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano. We love us some Bitcoin, Sir Gene. Send us some. Sir Gene thought we were. I don't remember ever ragging on Bitcoin. I think we just <laughs> uh, we talk about the reality of the crypto and what's been going on. I mean, I've been buying Bitcoin Sir- for years and. Sir Gene is just auditioning for the role of our show's Bitcoin expert. I, he may be. He may be. And I was wondering, because we were going back and forth, and I enjoy arguing with people, especially people that I already have a relationship with. I've learned that people, you know, on social media that you which, don't which know. Which pretty much explains this whole show. Yes, kind of. It's exactly right. This explains you and I sitting down for a couple of hours, a couple of times a week. Now, I've learned, I mean, one step, big step that I've made over the last few years is if somebody tries to engage with an argument on Twitter or wherever that I don't really have any previous experience with, I will pull the ejector cord almost immediately. But for people that I like, people that I've had a previous relationship with, and I've talked to Sir Gene, you know, both on the podcast, I did his show, he did Grumpy Old Ben's with me when you were out, I've talked to him for hours you know, off of a podcast. And I thought we had a a rapport. So I will argue a little bit back and forth more with Gene. But I was wondering, I'm like, I thought to myself, I'm like, is Gene just being a troll or is he actually being a dick? So I sent him a message Um, being like, are you you, I'm like, are you just being a troll or are you actually being a dick? And he responded back with, why do you think those are mutually exclusive, (laughs) by the way? Well, there is there is a certain level of you know how much you're putting into it and where your motivations come from and sir gene responded with all good bro little drama's good for downloads so i'm like oh he needs more downloads for sir gene speaks so do me a favor go well, to yeah. sir gene speaks and get the guy some downloads yes and and his latest episode where uh he <laughs> he he very uh eloquently compares uh your booting him from the no agenda chat room for 60 seconds to Trump being deplatformed off of Twitter. He draws, draws a, a compelling line. Gene, you may have some delusions of grandeur. I just want to point that out. Maybe a few look inward, my friend look inward, but we appreciate what he brings to the troll room. We appreciate all of the trolls and them calling us out when we're totally wrong or hopefully every now and then going, yeah, yeah, these guys, they're right. They they said something that enriched my life, that gave me knowledge that I didn't have. And we're doing the show because, one, we like to argue with each other. We like following the tech stories and because we learn stuff. There is the major change for me is I was always kind of interested in the tech. I mean, we talk about having my having a uh, trash 80 color computer back when I was like 12 in 1982 or so. but. Before we started Grumpy Old Ben's, I was kind of checking out a little bit more on the the tech sphere. You know, Twit became boring and there was no real stuff I was following all the time when it came to tech. So the concept of this show has made me do one thing completely different, which is every day now I'm reading tech blogs and I'm noting stories and I'm making yeah, I, notes. I too have have my mental health has suffered because of that. <laughs> See, our mental health is suffering for you. Go to grumpyoldbens.com 
slash donate. Yes, Metis, everybody just reuses content. Yeah, well, Spud the Mighty is saying in the troll room, and, and they're trolling. It's what the troll room does. But they're saying, is this a repeat from Monday? No, we actually give the value for value. Please donate spiel every show. So, yes, we're reusing content. It happens. And I was being mean to Gene on Monday, and I'm being nice to him now. That's not a repeat. This is the new new stuff has come to light. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it could change by next Monday. So, I mean, we'll- yes. And, and stay tuned on Monday to see what Darren's opinion of Gene is next. <laughs> yes, it could totally go sideways. Just be forewarned. Just be forewarned. And uh, yeah, I did tell the Sir Gene story on the Rock and Roll pre-show meet us. That's true. But way more people listen to Grumpy Old Ben's than the rock and roll pre-show though i mean they should check it out live at 9 a.m central time so 10 a.m eastern time on thursday and sunday right here on the no agenda stream so what else do you got bemrose uh what i've got left is is uh, a couple things on constitution um on the, it, on the constitution I, or well, your constitution well <laughs> my constitution is not what it used to be um now, I've, uh, Pennsylvania voters approved a constitutional amendment, and I approve of this. It's one of the things that, that tells me that not everybody is quite down with the new totalitarianism. The two constitutional amendments they approved were, uh, to end the, uh, to limit, uh, a governor's emergency declaration to 21 days. It was previously 90 days and extendable indefinitely if the government said so. Um, now only the legislature can extend it past 21 days they require a simple majority of the legislature um i definitely approve apparently uh governor tom wolf of pennsylvania is not the most popular guy in the state now uh especially with the legislature who was like excuse me but you just kind of became a a, a despot for the last year and a half yeah well Um, they also just reelected the uh state's attorney who doesn't want to prosecute anybody so you know yeah not not everybody is is entirely on board uh but the other one that i have is uh, a supreme court case which i consider to be uh generally good news but also uh, a little bit ominous um and that is uh i I believe i've talked about uh caniglia versus strom before uh it was a guy who uh a short version um old guy was arguing in Rhode Island was arguing with his wife and got so cranky about it. He offered her an unloaded gun and said, just put me out of my misery. Um, she did not like that very much. And she left, ended up staying, I don't know, a hotel overnight or something. But the next morning she called the cops on him and said he was waving a gun around. Uh, the cops, uh, then kidnapped him. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, removed him from the house for a quote, psychological evaluation, um, which I, I genuinely, I honestly believe is kidnapping. Also, there was no warrant. They just did it. Um, but, uh, the psychological evaluation determined that no, he had all his marbles. The guy was, he was just cranky. Um, so he came back and realized that they had not only searched his home from top to bottom, but had also found and removed and confiscated every gun that he owned for his convenience. Uh, no, I think it was more uh, commentary. This this came up with in the context of red flag laws, which I still maintain are thoroughly unconstitutional. But the leftists seem to think it's a fantastic end run around little niggling things like the Second Amendment. However, this case is about the Fourth Amendment. They did not have a warrant. 
they searched his home and they confiscated a whole lot of his property. And uh, apparently there were close to a dozen guns. So, you know, that's not cheap. Um, anyways, the first circuit sided with the cops citing Katie versus Dombrowski, a case from 1973, wherein a, uh, a drunk had crashed their car on the motorway. Uh, after the accident, the drunk was hauled off to the drunk tank, um, and had taken his keys with him and the cops needed to get it off the road. So they ended up breaking into and searching the car in order to get it off of the road and impound it and tow it to an impound lot. And Katie versus Dombrowski was a Supreme court creating, uh, from that case, a, a concept called community caretaking, which is just the cops were allowed to take a car off the road, even though the guy hadn't given permission for it. Um, the first circuit court in Caniglia had said, well, the community caretaking also counts if the cops decide to go into his house and take all of his guns because he was in the, uh, in the wacko ward for psycho evaluation. And, uh, the Supreme court came back and bit slapped the first circuit with a unanimous opinion. Um, Clarence Thomas wrote the majority opinion said, uh, among other things, if the police do not have the homeowner's consent, an exigent circumstance or a judicial warrant authorizing a search, then no version of Katie's car exception applies to police entry into the home under the fourth amendment. What is reasonable for vehicles is different from what is reasonable for homes. Um, so unanimous decision by the Supreme court that you're kind of in favor of the castle doctrine. Your home is your castle. And without a warrant, the cops do not get to go in there and steal your shit. So I put this under the no kidding category. At least you would think most people would. I, I would that. like to think that. Um, however, the thing that bothered me about it, especially, and, and I got this one from, from SCOTUS blog, which if you ever want to look up a Supreme court decision, it's one of the best places to do it. Um, there was uh, two concurring opinions, uh, one from John Roberts in which among other things, he said, uh, Warrantless entries into the home are justified when there is, quote, an objectively reasonable basis for believing that medical assistance was needed or persons were in danger. Uh, Kavanaugh put a concurring opinion saying uh, the court's exigency precedents, as I read them, permit warrantless entry when police officers have an objectively reasonable basis to believe that there is a current ongoing crisis for which it is reasonable to act now. If someone is at risk of serious harm and it is reasonable for officers to intervene now, then that is enough for the officers to enter. So what you just heard in those two quotes I read was uh, the Overton window being yanked on really hard. Um, at this point, from now on, the cops are not going to be allowed, according to this decision, to go into your home without a warrant for no reason whatsoever. However, they are going to be allowed, based on these concurring opinions, to go into your home without a warrant if they just claim that they heard someone screaming for their life. Well, that's always been the way it is. That I, the, uh, you know, the, although what you find in the house at that point is uh, probably not going to be is, legally admissible. Is, is, is to in be court. confiscated for, for more police vests? No, but, well, you know, again, been doing it. <laughs> again, this comes down to the concept where if somebody calls 911, and says somebody broke into my house he's trying to kill me well then the police can go into the house that's reasonable that they get to the house they're going in 
Yeah, that's that's the exigent circumstances. But uh, uh, according to what I just read, um, th- that is being dragged on to the uh, the police can claim any reason whatsoever that they thought somebody might be in danger. I heard a toilet flush and I wasn't sure that, that person had enough fiber. So I entered the home. Well, that doesn't make sense. I mean, that's not really what I heard there. I mean, it's we know there have to be exceptions for the fact that if there is some there's a huge difference on somebody's waving a gun around in the home right now and there's people that feel like they're in danger whether they are or not irrelevant that is a huge difference than well we already arrested this guy so now let's go see what's in his house that's a huge difference between something's going on right now and i didn't really hear anything in there that i thought was really crazy i think this was more of just uh dotting the i's crossing the t's going well you know if there's still a you know an immediate threat well of course they can go in if somebody is in immediate need of assistance of course they can go in this can't be the case of well somebody's raping you but you know it's illegal for us to go into the house unless you come open the door for us don't see that as i mean if 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 somebody's raping you in the house, then you've already made uh, poor choices that involved being in the house. And you should have uh, had a few more guns. And, yeah, uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I Yeah, okay. That was me victim blaming maybe. And, and maybe, it, you know, especially in the case of, of it's your, your daughter or something, then they, they burn the place down. You don't have to go in to do that. But um, I, I'm not actually recommending violence against anybody. <laughs> well. I am I am pretty happy with the the decision itself that said uh yes the going in and I mean <laughs> confiscating your your guns in a search of the place while they've taken you and kidnapped you away um I I mean that's that's armed robbery that that's theft that's I I I'm glad that that got shot down and shame on the first circuit for even thinking that this was anything like pushing a drunk's car off the road right but um I, I'm just kind of bothered by uh, the idea that that there there's now language on the I don't know. It just feels like the concurring opinions weakened the Fourth Amendment and and is opening up. It's it's a guideline for anybody who does want to go in and search your house without a warrant. Here's the things that you have to claim afterward. Well, but that also has to hold up. Otherwise, then you've got other issues. Yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, it, it depends on whether or not your court is is honest and and follows the law and the Constitution is written, which I, I would have said 15 years ago. Of course they do. But I don't believe that anymore. Well, I also have a story that's a uh, tech story and involving a car, which we can uh, we can get through here, then get out of here and get ready for a fun weekend. But oh, good call. This I thought was I've had this for a few days. And I thought this was a very interesting thing because this is a ruling. Again, the courts, I think, getting something right, you may disagree. Uh, the court has ruled that Snapchat can be sued over their role in a fatal car crash. This uh, comes out of Wisconsin. This happened in May of 2017. Three men in a car. They were driving at rapid speeds along a cornfield-lined road, it says, and sharing their escapades on social media when the 17-year-old driver accelerated to 123 miles an hour. This is from an NPR store, believe it or not. Uh, They start going 123 miles an hour. One of the passengers opened their Snapchat, and I guess 
one of the features on Snapchat. I don't know if this still exists, but there is what they call a speed filter, which means when you oh. take your snap, it shows you the current speed at which you're traveling. And oh boy. The, shortly after the car crashed, the kids died. And yeah, yeah, car crashes are like that. And so the question is, should Snapchat be responsible in any way, shape or form for this? It's like, I think, no. yes, because, well, you've you in put a feature specifically in for people to do this, to see how fast they can go in order just to create content. I, I, I mean, you you really think that that Snapchat should be liable for something somebody does simply because they've made a, a tool that can be used that. That I think because they assisted off? in it. Yeah, I mean, I do. Okay, because you're, you're, you're making exactly the same argument <laughs> that Biden makes when he says that gun manufacturers should be sued every time someone gets shot. No, because there's a different use for that. What's the use for this speed filter besides get people to go really fast so they can get that number on the screen? I don't know. What's the use for Snapchat? None, except <laughs> okay. I guess I guess to share your porn and get it into your dog file. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, your, your dog folder. Yeah. You got to get it in the dog folder. And if you're I mean, if you got pictures of dogs, I mean, you get better pictures then. I, I, I mean, if I were on the product team, I probably would have said this. This feature is ill advised and and is, you know, this is this is a dumb idea. Uh, I wasn't on the product team at Snapchat. And thank God for that. Uh, I just I, I don't see how that makes them culpable for any. I mean, I. I, I it's not a big leap of logic if, if, if I'm going to go ahead and call somebody out. I, obviously, I think that that the vast majority of, if not all of the fault is going to lie with this 17 year old idiot who lost control of the car because they were doing something that even a 17 year old should know is very, very dangerous. And, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Congratulations. You just lost Darwin's lottery. But. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be blaming big companies, first of all, why does anybody blame someone like Snapchat? So they can sue them because deep pockets, because cha-ching. Well, in that case, let's let's also go ahead and sue NPR for reporting on this. I'm fine with that, too. I mean, they're they're guilty of of make you know, they are just as guilty of uh, uh, news stations in general of making a product that makes people, you know, the people will go out and decide to become the next Florida man. Because they know it can get on the news. Does that mean that we should sue the AP for for disseminating the the, the story and making it attractive? I, the, I well, I don't think this. We're, means- we're moving away from the idea of people taking responsibility from their own, and and maybe that ship has sailed. And and maybe I'm so anachronistic that you know I'm I'm arguing for something that went away in the seventies, eighties, or nineties. But people should be responsible for their own actions. Oh, I agree. And I think this was also a case of bad parenting, because what if your damn kid wouldn't have a cell phone at 17 years old? You know what they wouldn't (laughs) have been doing? Hey, Snapchatting, I'm going 123 miles an hour. And not only. No, they just would have borrowed their friends. Well, but then the parents would have found out about it. I mean, how do your if your parent, how do you not know what your kids are doing on these kind of platforms? Let's assume he kept control of the car. What was going to happen next? You have a. Uh, uh, you now have just posted on Snapchat a photo of you going at an incredibly unsafe speed. Yes. You don't think that that's going to come back and screw them later? You would think. You would, I would think. hope. Yeah, uh, and and I don't think that. 
I'm ready to make a decision on whether I would uh, find Snapchat guilty or what kind of punitive judgment would come down from this. But I think it opens up enough of a question for it for the case to at least be heard. And, okay. You know, what once you've made that distinction, I'll I'll back off a bit and go from this is blatantly outrageous to this is just dumb. And, and because, it is, and it's something that nobody, these, nobody, if Snapchat gets gets a judgment placed against them, I'll go back to this is outrageous. And it, but it might help with the companies that are making this kind of software to go. You know, maybe we shouldn't add this moronic thing to the <laughs> software. You know? I, I don't think I've been particularly secretive about the fact that I think Silicon Valley is is providing a, a destructive force in today's society and needs to be taken down a few pegs. But I don't I, I I just very I'm very fearful of the slippery slope that comes out if you decide to take what should be uh, an individual a case of individual responsibility cut and dried and decide, well, uh, they happen to be using a phone, so we're gonna we're gonna sue the people who made the app, and we're gonna sue the people who made the phone, and and while we're at it, let's sue the guy who, uh, you know, who made the car. Uh, you know, Ford definitely needs to be in on these suits, and and also whoever filled that pothole that they ended up hitting. Let's go ahead and you know they screwed that up, so let's sue the city. I, the United States is way too litigious a society, and I don't like the idea of encouraging the ability to say something bad happened because somebody made a really dumb choice. So let's go find someone with deep pockets and try to get money out of them. Well, it's not only deep pockets. I mean, in this case, of course, the, uh, the parents of the kids are alleging that the speed filter enticed the kids to drive at that speed. But let's remember the story of the girlfriend. And she was a teenager at the time. I believe of her boyfriend just kept texting her gonna kill myself gonna kill myself gonna kill myself for a month she's like no don't do that no don't do that no don't do that and all of a sudden oh jesus kill yourself already and then he did and now she's in jail so it's like i don't know uh yeah again she didn't make the decision to murder him yet she's in jail so i mean this is the world we're living in travesty of justice too yeah that's why i'm i'm against this i you know the the my my phone has uh has a camera on it this encourages me to take nude photos and put them in my dog folder no do not do that do not somebody might find that phone at some point well someone might find a picture with it's labeled 170 miles an hour or whatever i i i I just i i i feel like it is a tremendously slippery slope to start blaming tools for anything if you find a phone out in the wild and yoko ono starts screaming at you do not turn it on. Do not look at the screen. <laughs> Destroy it immediately. Destroy thermite. Keep some thermite with you just in case. Now, I don't have a dog folder on this particular phone, but uh, if you go through my photo rolls, the, the vast majority of what you're going to find there are pussy shots. And what do you think, trolls? What do you think about this Snapchat thing? Let us know. I'm kind of curious on this one on how people will uh, will come down on this. Should Snapchat have any liability? for creating the feature that encourages people to go really fast so they can snap a picture. Let us know, you know, email Darren at grumpy old Ben's tell us on no agenda social or the troll room, whatever. I'm kind of intrigued by that. It's uh, it's a weird case, but I'm at least glad it's going to get heard. And it was like one of the only stories I've ever seen on NPR that I didn't go, Hey, they're not blaming Trump. So that was nice as well. That, that must be why their ratings are going down. Probably. That is probably true. 
But we will be back on Monday to discuss more fun and exciting things that are going on in the world. We hope you can join us. We hope you can support the show. GrumpyOldBenz.com slash donate. And like I said, we will be back Monday, noon Eastern time, noagendastream.com. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where it doesn't matter if the mayor is racist as long as she's black. And from America's left coast, where we'll be adding a dog folder to the show notes. I'm Ryan Pemrose. I prefer foxes.